0: episode 16 of strange brow radio i'm your host tobe johnson we are freshly back from enum claw the claw washington state near Greenwater, underneath the shadow of mount rainier the third international primal people conference that's what we're going to talk about today we have guests lined up from the show attendees and we're going to get the inside scoop tell you more about them in a minute, but first our sponsor, Feral by Aaron, who hit it out of the park at the conference. Gangbusters, Bob Gimlin walked away with the crow drum. You too can order yourself a Bob Gimlin crow drum. (laughs) You'll have to go to Etsy to get a look at it. Go to Etsy, look at Shaman Inspired Museum Quality Spirit Tools by Aaron Jackson. That's Feral by Aaron E-R-Y-N Okay, we'll be right back with the guests of the Primal People Convention The Third International Primal People Convention is now over For 72 hours, like-minded folks gathered inside a rustic lodge underneath the shadow of Mount Rainier in Bigfoot country. Some experiencers, some wanting to learn, and, well, some I would just call plain experts of dealing with the paranormal Sasquatch phenomena. Now, did everybody feel that way? No. But there was definitely the rushing overtones for 72 hours of... Paranormal bigfoot talk. And so I had a chance to get a lot of first. People that had never done a podcast before spoke to me, that brought new information, spoke to me. And so what you're about to hear for the next couple hours are these conversations with attendees and speakers from the third International Primal People Convention. All right, we are here with Brian Bland, witness and knower, and Sean Fay, I guess we'd call you a long-term witness or cultivator of Bigfoot activity in and around, we'll say, southern Oregon, near Eugene, Oregon's probably good enough. So we are at, what do they call it, the third international primal people conference at Enumclaw, Washington. Brian, you're up next. I think, actually, no, you opened it up here, so you're already,
1: No, no, no I'm up, you're I'm, up
0: next. No.
1: No? You're coming. Uh, Mitchell is up next, and I'm up after him. Okay. Tell people what you're going to speak about. I'm going to speak about Sasquatch and how they connect people, uh, you know, like, like Lisa got connected in through the glyphs, whatever, right? It's a continuing thing where they connect people, and then it just goes on and on and on, and... Yeah, but you've had a lot of interaction. I mean, you go out from your Facebook. It looks like you go out every week. I go out as much as I can, yeah.
0: Yeah, into some of the most beautiful territory I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. An area
1: you called what? God's country. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I call it. That's a good name. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Yeah. I mean, when you're 10 minutes from, like, uh, pristine lakes and mountains and rivers and creeks and unlimited forest and a I'm tremendous sure. amount of glyphs and gifting yeah, yeah.
0: and signs so you even wrote a book about this you and tom cantrell right yeah yeah
1: and right. uh, tell I us see, about that well we were just i was just uh my part was talking about some stories that related to glyphs and you know and because uh, there's usually a story behind the glyph or whatever like there'll be something uh, there'll be a reason for it or whatever so i just tell the stories about finding the glyphs and What some of them mean and what they meant to me, and some of the um, uh, magical things that they did, you know, like describe for people that don't know what a glyph is. What do you mean? It's uh, it's actually an. If if it's for you, it's actually uh, they can attach their intent to it. They can attach their consciousness to it. It's actually an energetic message. So that when you look at the glyph, you can get the message if it's for you. But on a more basic. way of think of looking at it it's uh sticks that are for uh form symbols like a's h's um you know complex things even like complete sentences or whatever it's uh it's a form of communication that they do with sticks quite often they peel them and they will stand out really well against the, like the forest path or uh you know the mossy green forest floor or something so they're 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 a form of communication basically
0: what's the most common type of glyph that you get? The most common one I've seen? Yeah, the most common that you see. An X? X
1: and an A, probably. I'm going
0: to stop someone here. Barb, can you join in real quick here? I know you're in the mid... We're here with Barb Shoop, who
2: helped. She, uh, is, yeah, hookah. Barb Shoop's
1: here with her hookah we're, we're pipe. Hookah and <laughs> and, and uh, the magic, the mushrooms are coming in. Oh, no, uh. no,
2: wait a minute. Don't include me in this. Oh, well, just real quicker. <laughs> we are just talking
0: about glyphs and doing kind of a free-form uh, format here. He was explaining what glyphs were. And you were saying you can imbue intentions within the glyph. The glyph design itself is part of it, but you're saying the intention behind it is it, also they something. can,
1: they can utilize Anything with energy, like... They shape shift with energy just by consciously changing their shape because we're energy beings. They can change their shape to a bird or something. They can enter your dream. Uh, they can uh, do mind speak. They mm. can place a thought in your head. They can manipulate time, set up events. In in that in our understanding, would be 3D linear, right. but they're setting it up like little... Things along the road that you run into it. And right. are They're
0: all like time-locked I mean, and time-sensitive things. Their
1: understanding of energy is beyond words. I can give uh, you a
2: good example of that okay. for the, the, that applies to this. All right, let's hear,
0: let's hear what Barb Please, let me
2: says. Let say one more thing.
1: Well, real quick, let me hear okay. from Barb.
2: Okay, so, you yeah. know, our keynote speaker wasn't here yesterday? Right. Okay, so Mike in there used to be my boss up at the store in Greenwater. Okay. Okay, so he was in Oregon yesterday on his way back, and he stopped at the rest area just over the border. So he has a bumper sticker on his car that says green water and a Bigfoot. Well, our keynote speaker just happened to pull into the same rest area and saw the bumper sticker and approached him and said, hey, I'm speaking at a conference there on Sunday. And Mike said, oh, the Sasquatch conference? No, I think it's going to be done on Sunday. You're probably speaking on Saturday. Really? I should contact somebody. I don't have a phone number. Mike gives him my phone number. He sends me a message, which confirmed That yes, you're speaking on Saturday instead of Sunday, so now he's here and we'll have our keynote speaker tonight.
0: Oh, wow. No (laughs) way.
2: That was a big setup. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Perfect example of what he just said. (laughs) I
1: generally forget my thought of Trina Thought if I'm interrupted, but I think I remembered it this time. Or did I? We're talking about energy, (laughs) right?
0: I'm sure it was important. It Sean, was really <laughs> important. Go to Sean, to, how bad. do you feel about the fact that they set up time-coded things like this?
3: Um, I think, you know, glyph, the best description would be like a pictogram. And like uh, Brian said, there is energy attached to it that's directed at specific people. Um, more commonly, Lisa and I, we see X's and asterisk-type formations. And I get a lot of, uh, um, looks like the letter P, and I think they're trying to recognize me or let me know that there's, you know. Th- so
0: that would take like three sticks a line and then a kind of a triangle up top. Right. right? Okay. Yeah.
3: Looks like a triangle with a long side on one. And
0: it's interesting that you guys think that these are energetically active because we started using those dousing rods. And sure enough, over the glyphs, the copper wire will cross, mm-hmm. and sometimes it'll actually direct you to where another glyph is, so you can kind of just follow right or left or, you know, test these out there. Did that thought ever come it,
1: back? It, it, it did, yes. <laughs> this is this is really good because this is, you know, like I said about their, under, their uh, understanding of energy or whatever, yeah. I mean, they can even place their intent and emotion into a thought and give it to you. Uh That's a layman's way of saying it. I know there's a more educated way to say that, but Mm -hmm. you understand what I mean, right? Right. And I know this for sure because they're constantly, all these things I'm constantly, I get examples of it. And the best one I had of that particular one was Arla was talking to my clan leader. She's looking up the hill and and conversing with them. And they're, uh, um, one funny thing was they were having a really humorous conversation. And he asked Arla, he says, why do you ask me questions you already know the answer to? Mm -hmm. I'm blocking, and, uh,
0: blocking the wind, that's all I'm doing.
1: And, you know, he kind of scolded her a bit, but in a real tongue-in-cheek, funny way, like, just... And then uh, he asked her something, and she said, why do you ask me questions? You already know the answer, to." So they had a real good rapport going. While they're talking, like, I was only a couple of years into it, so... They never showed themselves here right away, so... As she's talking to them, and I'm trying to look up the hill to see them, they're behind me, like... Like, but 10 times that loud, like, the loudest, the most, the wood knocking the fastest and like, and really like, like, and yeah, I'm turning around, like I couldn't help, but look, faster than a woodpecker. Well, it wasn't a woodpecker, it was them. But I mean,
0: I'm just to give an example to the audience. We're talking about like a, like a machine almost.
1: So, but anyway, this is the thing about the energy and this is really revealing because Arla, at one point in the converse, in the conversation, felt this energy coming at her. She could feel it. And I think she actually said she could see it in her eyes or see it in her mind's eye. And it was a cartoon lips coming out her, cartoon lips coming at her. And it entered inside of her and kissed her heart. And when it did that, I was watching her and, and she... Was instantly burst into tears. It was like she was really overcome with emotion. She said, I've never felt anything like that before. She was like, wow. And Arla to say, wow, she's, yeah. she's impressed, right? And, uh, you know, he projected his emotion into that kiss energy, and she felt it.
0: Cartoon lips. Cartoon list. I love that, like <laughs> like the like like, lips car- on your heart, like the Rolling Stone baby. album cover coming those at us.
1: <laughs> lips on your heart, baby, baby. Since
0: this was such a big success, though, no, Barb. I know, Barb-, <laughs> I
2: know we got that Barb, since this
0: was such a big hit, I mean, how can you not do one next year? Is what? it already in the talks?
2: We've we've talked about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Tom's the- got another conference to work on in Georgia. Okay. and i would imagine as soon as he's done with that his focus is going to be back on to doing 2020 this
4: yeah
1: okay and i love this venue everyone
2: is totally part? into this hey. yeah. Yeah. my old
0: stomping you, by the way are you
1: coming up to uh, the the barb and gabby camp out in british columbia in july it? i think um, uh you're
2: coming to the blue mountains aren't right you oh blue no Mountain. green i water. think we're gonna come do one
0: closer come on aren't
2: you
1: coming to my
0: hometown oh. my oh. friend oh. i do i gotta get a passport out. so we're here with brandon Tennant. He's in charge of the main t-shirt operations. Now, a lot of your money goes back
5: into Idaho, so mm-hmm. I assume some of it goes to Meldrum. Do you work hand-in-hand with Jeff? Oh, no. These are all my designs, all my t-shirts. Okay. The casts, however, those are Jeff's. Okay. They're replicas of some of the more famous casts that uh, Dr. Meldrum makes, and I just send those I send that money back to him. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So sends, we usually go to the conferences together, but we, he had other arrangements this weekend, and I couldn't get that far yeah the trailer. Now,
0: it's pretty rare that you would see Jeff at a kind of a paranormal, putting the word people right. alone on primal people and calling right. them forest friends, things like that. Um, I haven't seen him step out of the box of science that much to come to an event like this, although um,
5: I'd be curious to eventually see him show up at a place like that. You think that's possible? Oh, he does. Yeah, we just came back in February. We okay. Drove over to uh, Nebraska, and the Nebraska Bigfoot Conference was just called a Bigfoot Conference, but they focused mostly on the the paranormal, the the, the, the woo factor side, the woo yeah. factor, as right, 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 right. All and right, that was the majority of that conference. Yeah. yeah,
0: we're down here in the hallway near the restroom, so apparently, <laughs> periodically, you'll hear people running mm-hmm. in and out okay in a hurry in a hurry <laughs> that's right it's really cold and windy out though so we don't have the opportunity to go anyplace else so um let me ask you if you have you seen anything that would go into the category of the strange and unusual associated with bigfoot and where are you at with the whole theory that that's maybe
5: a paranormal link to it interesting question i am more of the biological end i'm i'm What you'd call a science guy, right? However, I have had some audio experiences that made me leave the area without understanding why I left the area. It was as if we were invited to leave, and uh, we left. And uh, you all did it together, or was that a friend of mine? Uh Yeah, but that was not something I could confirm as a Bigfoot. It was something that I can't explain. We were up there looking for Bigfoot. We were up there in the in the spirit of science and in, and gaining knowledge and, uh, not afraid of anything we thought. And then we left in a hurry. So,
0: so you decided to leave in a hurry based upon the fact that you had a feeling or did, did you have
5: anything that came inside your mind that seemed remote like mind speak? No, that's the funny thing. We don't know what came in our mind. All of Uh a sudden we just felt like we had to go. It's time to go. So A lot of people associate that with the paranormal. Some people associate that with, you know, primitive instinctual memory. Like, you hear a rattlesnake for the first time in your life. You know it's a rattlesnake. Don't touch it. Right. And uh, you may not know it's a rattlesnake, but you're not going to touch it. Right. But do
0: ghosts go move anyway. You heard it here first from Doug Charter's comedy act specialty yeah I mean, as far as like the weirdness to it all, um you know there seems to be all of these little ancillary stories that pop up, and then there's the big whoppers, obviously mm-hmm. we've and then when I say whoppers, I don't mean that in a derogatory word, but that's
5: probably the most common one. It's just like, you know what? I had this weird urge to it was leave a feeling, and yeah. like you can't describe a feeling, you can't it's hard to describe love. It's hard to describe hate. It's hard to describe why you left a place that you drove six hours to get to. Oh, you man. didn't mention that six hours. <laughs> yeah, and how long did you stay? Oh, oh, we we spent the weekend up there, and okay. and it was just, and it was the first time we'd ever found tracks, and I'm convinced they were tracks. I know something solid left those tracks, something more solid than me. Right. And uh, so I'm still I'm still convinced I'm looking for something in the physical realm, but. Like I said with the rattlesnake analogy, you don't know what other senses are enacted by scent or sounds or, you know, things that we see that we don't recognize we see. Mm -hmm. If the people are uh, confusing that with uh, Mm -hmm. uh, cloaking or if they're just peripheral vision catching movement or, you know, I wasn't there and I can't explain it, so I'm... Uh, I don't know. I have not seen anything cloaking yet. Are you open to that experience? That's another good question. As far as the Sasquatch uh, story goes, I'm pretty firmly entrenched in the physical, scientific realm of it. Right. But you might say, I believe, as much as I hate the word believe, because I've seen enough evidence to keep looking. What I don't believe in is ghosts, But I think I've seen a ghost. So it's a little hard to rationalize those things in your mind. Right. So belief is a very powerful and dangerous word. Right. Yeah. Well, skepticism and then confirmation kind of in that
0: order,
6: you know what I mean? And
5: it would, it would be nice if we could understand everything that we perceive and firmly pack it away in the knowing section, but, uh, Just particles, information don't always add up. No.
0: All right. Thanks for talking to me. We're here with Keith Bearden from Georgia. Mm -hmm. You came all the way here for just this, this Primal People Convention, right?
3: Yes. Kind of had to. Sean and I actually decided to do this. We came up with the idea to have a conference. And we'd done two, and we hadn't had one in a while. Tom had just finished the conference last year. So, I pitched it to Tom after we yeah. gave him the idea, and he took it. So, we kind of worked on it together for a while. Yeah. And, so and he pulled his committee in. and
0: You put a lot of work into this. You showed up. You have a booth here, beautiful jewelry, artwork, and you have a book. Tell people about your book.
3: Well, I wrote that book back in 2015 after I'd had a few years of, of experiences and started out you know, just like a normal guy out in the woods doing my thing, hunting and fishing and enjoying nature and... All of a sudden, a crazy thing happened. I started seeing and hearing things that were kind of unusual. Uh, Ran across my first track. When I seen the track, a lot of the things that I'd been hearing and seeing Mm -hmm. all came together, and everything changed after that.
0: And the name of the book again is? Forest
3: Friends of the Night.
0: Forest Friends of the Night. Where can people find this
3: book? You can find it on Amazon. Go on Amazon. Just go in and type in the name of the book or my name. It'll pull up. You can also order it at any bookstore, and they'll get it for you.
0: And now, you had your worldview kind of rocked. I mean, they alluded that to a couple of times. Arla was talking about your worldview shifting and changing. Enough, and it takes more than footprints, probably, to have that happen. Tell people what that moment was that shifted Keith from maybe flesh and blood to this otherness.
3: Well, there was really two things. Number one, the, the first thing when my world kind of started the change and I had a shift, the first shift, I called there. there's two was when I did see the first track that validated what I'd been hearing and when I seen the track it wasn't a human footprint first of all it was on our hunting property gated nobody could get back there. there's the middle of the winter time it was a barefoot track it was huge and the barefoot track was a uh, seven eight inches wide which is way bigger than a normal human and it had what I learned to see and I took a photo of it it had the um the break in the middle the med tarsal break I think uh
4: mm-hmm.
3: is what it's called so when I saw that I immediately began researching, going online and, you know, looking up the Bigfoot stuff. And once I started doing that, I got in touch with some people online, BFRO first, Arla, uh, through Darla, Dr. Melba Ketchum, she introduced me to Arla on Facebook, started talking to her. The BFRO came out, talked to me, we went through mm-hmm. that that whole thing. So, yeah, that's where everything kind of started with learning. that
0: that actual track, and it was several inches wide. How long was it?
3: It wasn't that wide. It was only about 11 or 12 inches long. Okay, gotcha. But, yeah, it was extremely wide. And when I saw it, I knew immediately, you know, it was nobody. We don't have people running around out in the woods barefooted out there because it was very, very dense where we went. As a matter of fact, it's so dense through our property, 450 acres, we had to walk the creek Mm -hmm. to get through it. It's just too much, too too much to try to get through.
0: Now, where's Keith at with the... interdimensional supernatural quality of these creatures or what what do you think of that theory and have you had an experience
3: all right we're going to that side okay
0: well yeah i mean since we're kind of in the vein of it here
3: well what i've learned is always keep an open mind to anything and everything Mm -hmm. um or is that something that's real absolutely yes it is and have i experienced absolutely i have uh even seen portals in our own hunting property. I've had my son actually took a picture of one. So, yeah, I've experienced that.
0: Um, well, let's talk about that. Don't go away from that. Sorry. You've seen portals. They're on your property. Are they in certain areas? What do they look like? Describe them.
3: All right. Now, you're the first to hear this. I don't think I've even told many people about this, so this is kind of new.
0: Okay, you new mind thing. that I'm recording this for later uh, use? And, okay. And
3: the reason I call it a portal is... Well, first of all, let me describe. My son seen it first. Um, He seen a big light in the woods, and he said when he saw it, it looked like there was a fire. You know, so he's worried about our property burning. So he goes closer and closer, and it's just a big bright light just hovering in the woods. And he said there's a little bit of a swirl to it. He took a photo. He brought it to, of course, I couldn't see the swirl in, in the photo, but he was describing it to me, and where that happened at there were several instances i would go down in the area and i'd be around it where i would see something appear and it would disappear i would see just images dark objects but i could tell there was something weird going on in the area. so i kind of avoided it for a while because at this point in time i'm still not all the way to where i am now convinced of what i'm seeing i'm still my mind's trying to gather all this information i didn't even put this in my book because i couldn't explain it it was something i, I couldn't even put down in words what i saw so i just kind of mm-hmm. left it in the background now, i've been talking you know to joe hauser today and a few other people but through the years after listening to other people i'm quite sure that's exactly what it was you know, i talked to matthew johnson when i was out there doing a conference a few years mm-hmm. years i like either.
0: that magic johnson do you feel like that's linked at all to the bigfoot activity on your property
3: um. Yes and no. I do think, as I think what was Scott said this morning, they have one foot in our world and mm-hmm. one foot in the interdimensional world. Mm-hmm. The thing that I know about them, and the thing I know about me and our world is our world is vastly unexplained. There's a lot of things going on that people can't explain. Is it supernatural? No, it's natural. It's just that we don't understand it. So now it's become paranormal. It's not mm-hmm. our normal. But the Bigfoots uh, don't have anything. They're they're normal everyday. That's become a normal thing to me. The things that they can do, yes, that's paranormal to us. But um, yeah, I think it's all linked. I think that this entire world's linked. Every living organism organism on this planet's linked.
0: If you had something to say to people that want to get involved with this, don't really know how to. What would you tell a newbie and give them advice about how to go forward and looking into the phenomena, maybe things they could be prepared for?
3: All right. Well, I wrote a book about that very thing. And if you buy my book and read it, it'll tell you all of that. The main thing everybody needs to know is have an open mind, have a good heart, and know that they're not out there to hurt you go into this thing with total respect total respect of them your environment which is their home Mm -hmm. and yourself the thing that everybody needs to understand when you go into their home Mm -hmm. think of it as somebody coming to your home Mm -hmm. if somebody comes to your home do they open the door and walk right in Mm -hmm. unannounced and how would you feel so what Arla taught me is when you go out say hello who you are introduce yourself let them invite you in take it slowly When you go into their home or their world, treat it with respect. Treat them with respect. Mm -hmm. Talk to them. Get to know each other. And over a period of time, you will establish a relationship just like you would with a neighbor. Right. A
0: rapport. So So are they actively coming in close to the house, or are they on the periphery still of your property?
3: Uh, They come into our camp on a nightly basis. Whenever we're camping, they come right in. And I talked about that earlier. Tom even talked about that yesterday you know they will come in and look into your tent they will come in to our camp and mess around with things. we've got a couple of young ones and they play jokes all the time they're hiding things they'll come in and I think one year we were actually doing a little mini conference right across from camp and we could see our camp Mm -hmm. but the little guy called Nightcrawler came into camp while we were doing it in the daytime and Arla had a frying pan she always left on the stove well, he put a big, big, nice piece of quartz rock right in the middle of the frying pan while we were out there talking. And we could have all looked over and probably seen it happen. Right. Yeah, they come right in. It's nothing for me to, well, we've seen them in our camp. We were having a a, a group chat right before dusk a few years back. And behind Tom, we had a couple of tents set up, and we had a couple of girls coming in. And all of a sudden, they stop just before they get to the fire, and they're all pointing their lips are quivering, they look, 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 look. So Tom turns around, we all tried to turn around and look. There were two of them standing right behind Tom. So yeah, that was pretty cool. They'd never seen them before.
0: Wow, all right. Thank you, Keith.
3: You're welcome.
0: We're here with Scott Taylor. Now, Scott is also a friend. He's a researcher. He's worked with us hand in hand regarding the owl moon prints and his own unique property that he's working off. Now, you have a couple different sites that you work out of, including your own house and other people's homes. So you work with long-term witnesses. Yes, long-term witnesses is where you really learn the most. (laughs) For sure. I tend to agree. And you're of a like mind that these beings walk in two worlds, that they kind of straddle between these two worlds. Let me ask you, where do you think they live mostly? This world or their, we'll call it their world.
7: I think they live in this world, but they they are in their cloak state, so we can't see them. Um, but they're there all day, every day. Okay. Um, I think when we think that they're in another world, they're actually just mainly cloaked. Mm-hmm. Um, although they know how to use the portals to go wherever they want to,
0: um, but I, th- I think they're here. So when they're here, you feel mainly they're in that cloak state. Is that their natural state? Is that how they naturally are and to kind of, or would you call both states natural? Well, both states are
7: natural, but the the state that they're generally in would be their cloak state. That's Mm -hmm. why it's so hard to see them. Um, They come out of their cloak state in order to um, reproduce and have children. And they have to stay that way um, until the children are are born. Mm -hmm. And they probably stay that way till they're raised. But um, they even teach the children, though, how to do it. but it's... Uh, it's, a, it's a skill that needs to be taught like anything else. Is that what you're well, saying? Well, I think the the the, the real skill is, is, is vibrating slow enough that we can see them.
0: Okay. So, oh, so the skill is to coming out of the cloak state right. to show yourself. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly, yeah. Let me ask you this here. One of the things that we're experiencing at this property here, and I want your expertise on this, is that... Now that we've recorded for you know for over 1,400 hours, blah, 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 um, we have kind of evidence, I guess you would call it, that the, these things, when they're in their cloaked state, aren't necessarily f- totally physical to the point where they're making sound. It's beyond cloaked as though they're coming through space and time yes. to interact. So when we're talking to the audience about being invisible, it's not only that, it's as though that they're not even here they come here, and then they go away. So yeah, they, in their,
7: their uh, well, they cloak, but then they can also change form. And uh, the orbs are them. So they you know they go wherever they want to in the orb state you can travel great distances um, but then they can manifest themselves into a solid solid form. And, and it's not hocus-pocus, it's not paranormal. It's just them manipulating matter at the quantum level and and you know, choosing what they right. what what they want to be at the time. You know, they can come into your house, you know, in that orb state and they can, you know, if they wanted to materialize I suppose, but they generally don't. But still they, you know, they come in the house and uh uh you know, Dr. Matt Johnson's had had one take mm-hmm. a, a bite out of a maple bar uh that he left as an enticement. Mm-hmm. And that was in his bedroom. And uh <laughs> so I love that. So they they they're, and, an, they're an energy being. We're right. an energy being. We don't have the abilities uh, to to control it, but mm-hmm. they do. And there's nothing paranormal about it. It's mm-hmm. just physics that that human beings in today's mm-hmm. world don't have a great understanding
0: right. of And Scott and I know how this sounds to the average listener. Although if you're listening to Strange Brow, then obviously you're probably interested in the strange. But this is beyond strange. This really gets into the fringe of the fringe element, especially like invisible bites out of maple bars and, you know, um, the uh, Scrabble letters. Oh, can we yes, talk about that's that? Watch Scrabble, man. Well, Tell them what I mean. Okay, so uh, we had a witness
7: uh, last year uh, down by Shit Halis, and um, he was in constant interaction with them, um, leaving. Um, had a stump and he'd put trinkets and things out there and then he'd watch them, move them, change them around, add things, take them away. Uh, So he got this bright idea of of playing Sasquatch Scrabble. So he took all the Scrabble tiles Mm -hmm. and and he put them on a piece of plywood and he arranged them in a certain way and they rearranged it. And when you kind of read what it was that they arranged, they were actually saying something. And, um, so he, he he saw what they did he took a picture of it he put it all back like he originally had it went away came back and they had rearranged it again back to what it was so
0: it was, and what was it it was a language right
7: well basically what they what we think they were saying is we speak through you is they were they were talking to him mm-hmm. and he was talking to me but okay. it it became for him uh, a little too intense, and he was uh, having trouble coping with it because once they got that he finally understood them, he'd been hearing them for years and years, but he didn't know what it was, and it was driving him crazy. And then we explained what was going on, and suddenly it all clicked and made sense. But once they discovered that he was really getting it and understanding the mind speak, and and the the uh the communication that was going on uh it was like a data dump and they were just pushing so much on him it was like stop 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 right. you're you're, over, you're overloading me you're overwhelming right. me and he ultimately says hey i can't do this anymore and i don't hear from him anymore right he needed a long term break he needed he actually was <laughs> yeah, talking but... about moving right. uh, selling his place and moving away and that it doesn't always work.
0: <laughs> no, I,
7: I, I told him that, you know, yeah, you can yeah. do that, but, you know, you move 50 miles down the road to, say, Castle Rock, and they're going to beat you there. You know, they'll be there waiting. There are, there are certain people that I don't know why, but they have been, like, tagged, uh, earmarked or something, mm-hmm. and those people have been having interactions since they were small children. And it's like the Sasquatches keep tabs on them through their whole adult life mm-hmm. and are interacting with them at one level or another. Mm-hmm. When, the, when the kids are small, they don't understand what's really going on. Mm-hmm. And then when they become adults, they think maybe that they're going crazy until mm-hmm. somebody explains it to them. Um, but it, it's uncanny how many mm-hmm. people that I, I've been called to, to go investigate their sightings, and I start asking them questions and probing deeper and deeper and deeper back into their history and find out they had, uh, like, one one gal says, yeah, I remember as as a 2-year-old, which that's about as far back as most people can pull any memories, of being taken out of my bed by the hairy people Mm -hmm. and then brought back before morning. Um, And then, oddly enough, I got her husband off by himself, started talking to him kind of the same way about... You know, tell me about your past and all that. Well, he'd been interacting with them since he was a small child, too. And those two get together. So mm-hmm. those two together, now they've got watches <laughs> as part of their life, and they've just gotten used to it. It doesn't bother them anymore. But now I imagine that their kids are probably, you know, kind of clued into
0: it, too. I mean, you have a BFRO patch on mm-hmm. your jacket. Do you feel like sometimes you should have, like— Paranormal investigator patch, as well as like a merit badge for MUFON. I mean, you're <laughs> you find all these other patches that you should be wearing when you go to talk to these people. Don't you feel that way? Um, yeah,
7: to a large extent, um, publicly the BFRO um, will not really talk about the, mm-hmm. what they call the paranormal part or the the woo woo is what some people call it. Uh, they. Um, but they're talking to their audience their audience is the general public who has no knowledge Mm -hmm. of what they are and if you hit the general public with the paranormal side of it it overwhelms them and they dismiss you Mm -hmm. but there are BFR investigators Mm -hmm. who have transcended that and understand it no this is just part of the continuum of the learning of what these creatures are and then you know, it, you're going to run into this paranormal stuff through your investigations. Uh, you're going to see cloaked beings. You're going to find out that there's more than just Sasquatches out there in the dark at night. Mm-hmm. You'd, You'd
0: mention little people.
7: There's Yep, there's the little people, which I haven't personally dealt with, mm-hmm. but I've talked to other people who have. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's other kind of weird stuff out there that maybe is not something you really want to be
0: interacting with. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty scary stuff. Um, all paranormal, all supernatural as well, right? Well, Just not physical.
7: Not well, the both. Um, mm-hmm. um, they seem to be able to ma- kind of materialize when they when they want you to see them. So straddle they're straddling between they're straddling two straddling worlds, two dimensions, right?
0: But um, these are darker.
7: Some of them are are yeah. darker. Yeah, real scary stuff. But the Bigfoots aren't.
0: No. Yeah. Do you think any of them are? I think they have that in them. Like we have individuals that are in jail, incarcerated as, you know, crazies and whatnot. They must come in that variety too.
7: Well, th- there may be a few here and there, but they're a connected race. Um, okay. so, so it'd be real hard for one of them to be abnormal and criminal, so to speak, mm-hmm. and the others not
0: know it. So the hive. Strain. It's almost like a hive mentality. Yes, right, like the Borg unit in Star Trek. Well,
7: yeah, kind of like that. Bit. They're a connected race. Right. Uh, we have the potential to be, but we kind of lost that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we still can, certain people can can telepathically or through mind speak, communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times have you been thinking about an old friend that you haven't talked to on the phone for for? two or three years and suddenly the phone rings and it's them
0: even deja vu which is extremely peculiar when it happens is almost like a glitch in the matrix where you're experiencing yep. all time all at once and everything is a field of energy and then it's gone yep. and it's almost like a real forlorn kind of feeling like oh no i was in that moment Remember i was that? in the matrix hey lisa do you have a second okay we're just going to finish up here with scott and i want to talk to you next yeah, come on down. It's all good. Lisa and I, Lisa Faye. we go way back. Lisa recently married. It's been a, over a year now. Yeah. I
4: hope you may, yeah. yeah.
0: And you've been to a couple of these conferences now, but when I first met you, it was um, basically a Facebook friendship that kind of blossomed over time into meeting Sean, your husband now, and your kids. And you just said right out like hey we got them on our property in fact we got them on audio Mm -hmm. we're living with them I'm curious about what you may know and I said I'm curious about what you may know and so these friendships formed and now you're just kind of used to it
8: yeah I am um in fact when I first started to um notice them I was all by myself in, in an area, what, meaning I had nobody else that I knew that knew anything about them. Mm-hmm. So I started researching it on my own, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, the only way I had access to anything was the Internet. I didn't mm-hmm. know anybody. Mm-hmm. So um, when, then when I moved to the area we are now, and I looked up Sasquatch and Oregon, and your name popped up that's how it, how it all began.
0: Oh, that's right. Now yeah. I remember.
8: Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I've had a lot of paranormal Sasquatch activity. Um, it, it, in my whole life been, has been intertwined with paranormal, but the Sasquatch activity has been what has really, um, stood out for me to mm-hmm. be like intense and wonderful. And, um, I don't know ask me a question because I'm not really good on the fly with my words oh no no
0: no no you are leading someplace here I mean as far as how these things entrench themselves into your life
4: mm-hmm.
0: and Arla speaking earlier about this being kind of a mirror effect
4: mm-hmm. and
0: you get a lot of self-reflection you learn about yourself like guys are learning about ego in this field all the time mm-hmm. like how do I handle evidence like you know, is it about me? Is it about the work I've done? Should I dress up like Squatch Commando and promote myself? And then women are just, you know, they're way more laid back about it. So I think they struggle less with it. But let me ask you this. Do you ever struggle with kind of those kind of things? Like, are you learning the lessons that they want you to learn?
8: You know, that, that's the hard part. Um, they did um, show me a lot through the glyphs. I know that you were talking to Brian Bland about the glyphs. Mm. Um, And they started connecting me to other people through that. And I had to learn some really hard um, things about myself and about those around me. And what they do is they lead you to a series of things that make you reflect. Mm -hmm. And sometimes what I do when I find those is I take a picture of it. Always take a picture of it. And sometimes I don't know what it means, Mm -hmm. but it will come... To a point when i'll think oh, that is what that connected it to some event in my life usually it's a major event. it mm-hmm. is tied to ego a lot mm-hmm. it's tied to um emotional development mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you found that with the glyphs that you're leading to what you were led to <laughs> I mean but I don't know
0: as much as yours I mean. Uh, I I want that experience. I want to be able to dive inward and see what you're seeing.
4: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm just more in awe of the fact that something has occurred that is unexplainable. I know that's like a base knowledge, but it's maybe the dumb part of the man in me. It's Mm -hmm. just like, whoa, they've changed (laughs) dicks. I can't believe they have fingers. (laughs) But, you know.
8: Okay, but do you remember the time that you showed me? I, I told you to make the glyph. That was your signature. And what did you do? You made that hand. Yeah. Right? Okay. And they showed me that you um, acknowledged them. And what was it, like about two weeks later? They showed me your glyph on the opposite side of the property that you made your glyph.
0: Oh, yeah, right there. Do you remember there, that? Near the right? front of your door. Yes. Oh,
8: yeah. So that was them saying, We know that Toby yeah. was here. We know that this is his signature, and we acknowledge that to you. And the thing so is, is that we, forget
0: that, we right? don't ever see them do this. Like, we say they so easily, so casually, but we've never seen them leave a no. glyph. And so, who, what do yeah. we do with that? When we say they, we're, we're bringing the baggage of Bigfoot, but we don't know.
8: No, we don't. And I see, I wrestle with that a lot, uh-huh. too, because sometimes I think, is it little people? Is it angelic beings? Is it right. fairies? Is it, you know? It's not a what hoax. A, no. we, we
0: ruled out hoax.
8: No. And um, who was it? It was Keith Bearden that was talking about um, glyphs that were left um in the span of moments. Mm -hmm. I have seen that time and time again. I've seen a footprint. I had been... There was one time I was raking out um, part of the pasture and um, raking, raking, and I turned back around and there was a huge footprint in the middle of what I just raked. And it was a Sasquatch footprint. I don't know how it got there other than you know a lot of times they're on my brain about i wonder if they wonder about us i wonder if they're watching what we're doing and it's kind of like hey yeah we are and we just heard what you thought and like you say who are they <laughs> i don't know mm-hmm. but um i really feel like they keep us guessing mm-hmm. they keep us introspective mm-hmm. and i think that's what they want us to be
0: and they keep a, they keep life wonderful for you me know they have been they keep life wonderful, so like when you're going through a dark period, let's face it, we all go through dark periods and you have this baseline of magic, mm-hmm. which is where I put right. sasquatch I, I agree. it levels all the other crap out. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that?
8: I would agree with that um when I will agree also to the point where you talked about them coming to you in your dark times, there were some dark times that I absolutely had them interacting with me in the most beautiful way that led me to tears. Mm-hmm. And um, let they let me know that they were, were watching, were mm-hmm. caring about me, and were carrying um, some of my emotions as they would carry theirs, mm-hmm. which is beautiful Mm -hmm. so part of me thinks that they are um you know there are a lot of people who say oh no those are demons you know and that the i that's the christian part of me Mm -hmm. has always wrestled with that but i've only got that their energy is Mm -hmm. caring and Mm -hmm. um almost of that realm of Mm -hmm. like the higher purpose right
0: and you and i kind of were brought up in the same right style you're, you're, right my father was a pastor i grew up in a four square protestant right. church and there really was an a and b to good and evil mm-hmm. there was none of this minutia or blue right. you know this gray area I called it a blue area maybe it is a blue area but i've never felt personally that i'm experiencing something trying to lead me down a dark path no. by masquerading as a sasquatch mm-hmm.
8: there are some people who say that but you have to go with what your gut says, mm. and my life has nothing been nothing but richer and mm-hmm. more um, emotionally connected mm. than I ever have been before and that's i'm i 'm forever grateful for them mm-hmm. being in my life because it 's led me well it 's led me to you it 's led me to the other friends it 's led me to friendships so mm-hmm. it's yeah
0: yeah, and so. we 've watched some of our good friends kind of disappear. And they're still involved with the phenomena, but yet it was Bigfoot that brought us together, and it was Bigfoot maybe that brought us apart. I mean, in a lot of ways, this obsessive nature of Sasquatch kind of pulls people in weird directions.
8: It it does, and those people ebb and flow in your life, um, depending on whether or or not you need them in your life. Lessons that you learn from them. um, Things that you can all you know share with them sometimes they need you sometimes Mm -hmm. you need them but yes they they have that has been the binding thing but it also Mm -hmm. has been some yeah I totally agree yeah
0: all right thanks Lisa Mm -hmm. we're here with Marcia Moore who is also the proprietor of how do I say your studio
9: CMR studio
0: CMR studio
9: kind of pig latin for my name if you look at it it's just oh, cmr but cmr is kind of a unique story there because when i lived in florida cmr became a very iconic uh character for a story that i was creating about ancient florida so she was kind of like this okay uh, shaman type woman that... so you
0: took uh, marcia split it in half <laughs> exactly kind of like oprah did with harpo studios you okay yeah. i gotcha yeah and you work hand in hand this mystery of the elongated skulls i'm extremely curious about how you got started into looking to this mystery and you would you call it a mystery i mean it seems like a genuine mystery that these elongated skulls not only exist but they've kind of been secluded and ignored in the same breath by the people of south america and i don't know talk to me about how this all started for marcia
9: well, I think we've made everything a mystery because we're just, everything seems very complicated, but I think maybe it ultimately is very simple. Mm-hmm. But um, but how I got started was, um, well, I, I'm an artist, so um, I've uh, just gathered tools with life chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I lived in Florida for about 17 years. And while I was down there, I started to create a story, kind of hopeful animation um, about ancient Florida, pre, pre-Spanish. Hmm. So I was diving into some of the mound builders down there, uh, the Calusa Indians specifically. They were called the Shell people. And that's where the CMR character comes from. But um, as I was creating everything that you would, maybe through even like an entertainment company, I was kind of my own little studio, and I was creating uh, 3D sculptures, traditional sculptures, paintings, sketches. um digital artwork and also kind of writing and fleshing out these characters so while I was doing that these characters started to have uh and form uh elongated heads a lot of them and I found that to be very curious um and then through social media I hooked up with Brian Forster who's uh uh, alternative researcher down in uh, Peru Uh that specifically Tunes into our ancient Paracas down there who had elongated craniums. And I sent a 3D sculpture that I had of um, an elongated head with a face. You know, it was not a reconstruction, it was just a character that I had come up with. And I said, you know what, maybe show your audience, and this will give them an idea of putting a face. Mm-hmm. on one of these elongated skulls. And when I did that, that just took it to the next level because people hadn't seen a face on one of these skulls. Mm-hmm. So that really um, tapped into the next level for me as far as getting more in tune with this information globally because it's all over the planet. and um,
0: Not just in Peru, this phenomenon mm-hmm. yeah, of elongated phenomenon, skulls. Yeah, it's all okay. over the planet. Uh, you say all over the planet. So Where? where else besides South America you say like hidden in the same manner like in Russia or how are they how are they housed because in South America they're just kind of shoved in the walls there and kind of forgotten about I mean they're not even entombed properly some of the towns in South America just have them next to the street corners
9: right unfortunately you know down in Peru it's it's desert area where the Paracas were along the coastline and the remains are there because of the desert so you have mm-hmm. the skulls but nothing's intact because of grave robbers mm-hmm. that's pretty prevalent down there and um, selling that information selling those antiquities oh, gotcha. so that gets all over the planet number so one so not
0: only the antiquities but the information of where yeah. to go find them yeah That's all
9: worth something. I mean, I have yet to see a full-body ancient Paracas. I've only seen the skulls. I've never really seen their bundles. There are the the bundles. But I've Mm -hmm. never seen one, like, laid out to to know Mm -hmm. what the height would be or how it's shaped or is it different in the way it would have been walking and, you know, the pose and everything. So, um, but anyway, through the ancient Paracas and through the DNA, that takes us over to... The recent DNA takes us over to um, the Black Sea area. Mm-hmm. And through that area, it also goes up into Eurasia. And mm-hmm. for me, I'm very in tune with our indigenous communities. Meaning, if I want to find some information, first I'm going to start with my own intuition. And then I'm going to go check out um, our indigenous communities and, and see what kind of oral tradition mm-hmm. might be relative. See what kind of uh, stories, legends... Um, see what kind of uh, regalia that they might have worn, you know, because tall hats, tall things usually means, wow, what was underneath that hat, you know, and there's a lot of that all over the world. You see that all over the world. Mm -hmm. So, um, I have... Really tapped into Eurasian, and some of my latest reconstructions will show more of a Eurasia style, uh, following some of the um, indigenous communities from up in that area. So,
0: is there any evidence that they migrated a certain route? I mean, were they conquering the sea and coming over to certain areas, or is this like during Pangaea when the continents were all housed together instead of spread apart?
9: Well, I think our 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 peoples uh, two or 3,000 years ago were definitely getting around. I mean, they were—you look at the Northwest, uh, Pacific Northwest, our indigenous communities, these are canoe people, these are maritime sailors. They get around. They went down to Hawaii. They went down to New Zealand. They went everywhere. So there was trade going on, tons of trade. I mean, I looked at Florida as being kind of the Star Wars kind of Tantooine, like the hub, so to speak. Because Florida of, has that rap today, exactly, by the way. Exactly, <laughs> probably does. So, um, But mm-hmm. that's what I felt. It was like mm-hmm. everybody was coming to s- certain areas in Florida to do ceremony or actually bring their dead down there. And they came from hundreds of miles away, and there was tons of trading and stuff going on. So.
4: Right.
0: All right, the characteristics of the elongated skulls, they have not only are they long... But the volume inside the cranium itself, when I watch Brian Forrester do, with L.A., the rice test, and they're pouring the rice inside the skull, there, the volume is quite large. So the brain capacity had to be large. What are the implications of that?
9: Well, I know that more specifically because of the uh, reconstructions that I've worked on, meaning that the ones that were head binders mm-hmm. um, and that were emulating maybe that 4% that right. seem... To have been natural because they don't have that kind of north and south suture on our skull, um, and other monologues. sagittal suture, the sagittal which is suture. like the vertical line. Yes, okay And then you know, just looking at the eye sockets, just looking at the teeth, mm-hmm. the jawline. I mean, it's extremely robust jawline. It's really hard. Uh, you know, anthropology reports will come back, and I'm like, I don't know about that. I mean, it's just so difficult. You just are like, I don't know if that. It, you think it's a female it comes mm-hmm. back a male you think it's this it comes back this and it's just they're really much very much anomalies um so in working with uh, the reconstructions i'm like okay mm-hmm. well if i am uh elongating my head what does that mean um what am i trying to trying to emulate and to me it means that you are well you're expanding so of course you're expanding your consciousness which means okay maybe there is more capacity I mean, it wouldn't be in the ones that were uh, head-binding, but the ones that were natural, maybe that mm-hmm. maybe there was.
0: Right, and what you're saying is when you bind a head, the volume won't change. You can change the shape of the skull, but you can't change the volume. These beings have larger heads.
9: Absolutely. So the ones that were emulating this... Mm-hmm maybe they were just trying to tap into that. Mm -hmm. They were trying to tap into that expansion of consciousness. They were trying to tap into the pineal gland, which was probably very in tune with these Mm -hmm. elongated heads. And um, that gets you in tune with a lot of things, you know, telepathy, getting in tune with the cosmos. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, I think we all perceive things the way that it comes to us, so, meaning we all have different perspectives of how this could have been or what this means, but that is the information that I feel intuitively, mm-hmm. and then through research uh, uh, think that that's a great possibility anyway. Mm-hmm.
0: So, do you work hand in hand with conventional science trying to change their mind? Or how has this affected you, not only as an artist, but working with people like Brian Forrester is that conventional science just doesn't allow for these theories here of you know a super old earth where megalithic structures have existed for hundreds of thousands of years maybe even longer and yet you were telling me about evidence of pottery with brontosauruses and people from South America living in tune with with dinosaurs i mean how do you how do you approach you know your colleagues
9: uh well for me as an artist and i think i have license to say this because artists have that. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I don't have, I'm not a researcher. So I am intuitively, this is an intuitive approach for me. Uh-huh. And I'm using all the tools that I have to um, reconstruct intuitively. And through that, I'm uh-huh. able to find the research, meaning my intuitiveness actually uh-huh. leads me to the hard research. Right. And, um, and then also getting in tune with a lot of the um, alternative researchers like Brian, That you know, he's, uh-huh. he's about, facts mm. and um, and he and he gets it he gets that information so mm. working with him and then working with uh, my intuitive side helps me um, create a Reconstruction interpretation, mm-hmm. and you have to keep that in mind. I'm mean, just interpreting this, mm-hmm. but what it's doing is it's keeping your mind open to the possibilities, which then makes the next person go, wow, maybe I need to research this well, a little bit more. How
0: much is interpretation? When you're actually working with the bones, the skeletal remains, and you see a high cheekbone or you see a, a large jar or a big eye socket, I mean, as a forensic artist, right, they have certain parameters that they go to with where they're going to apply flesh. So some of it is kind of like there's fact-based stuff going on.
9: Absolutely, and I am not a forensic artist, but as an artist I know enough about anatomy, and I do follow the steps that mm-hmm. a forensic artist would follow. So I do follow um, the, muscle, uh, the muscle tissue depth markers that mm-hmm. you would put on the skull. I do all of the research uh, as far as getting the reports from the anthropology reports to to go along with the reconstruction and um so I'm, I'm going through the formula that one would go through as a forensic artist and i'm reconstructing um probably uh, you know i'm following that guideline but ultimately it's still an interpretation because even a forensic artist is not going to things keep... like
0: eye color and exactly. what their teeth were like exactly. i mean well you know kind of know what their teeth would be like because there's still a lot of them there yeah. And red hair, and this is an attribute as well?
9: It seems to be, yeah. Auburn, right. auburn hair seems to be an attribute of the ancient Paracas in Peru, mm-hmm. and you do see that all over the planet with these elongated heads. Mm-hmm. You see that here in North America with some of our mound builder complexes. I mean, that's been part of the research. You have mm-hmm. that, um, and that leads us to kind of where we are right now at a Sasquatch conference. I mean, you have a lot of different relationships going on, which yeah. is very intriguing. So you just have to uh, stay open. You just have to keep your mind open. Mm-hmm.
0: Mind open, I guess that's yeah, a good that's, way to end it, Ara, with a weird. giant head. <laughs> Here's to open minds. We're here again with Marcia Moore of CMR Studios, and she's a neighbor. So maybe we can uh, do, uh, do coffee and talk about this. At a greater length yeah, down we're the road. going to do that. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh-huh. We're here with Andrea Billups. We're at the Third International Primal People Convention, and she's a professor at what college again?
10: At Western Kentucky University. Western
0: Kentucky University. And I just introduced her. I've actually heard your name before, Andrea, probably just on Facebook, like the rest of the people up in the audience. But you came, did you come all the way from Western Kentucky this conference, or did you have business
10: here? No, I came out here for the conference and to see some people. I mean, okay. this isn't the first time I've been out here. Um, I've done some camping here mm-hmm. in Washington State and in Oregon with different research projects, and so mm-hmm. um, I've gotten to know a lot of people who are here at this conference. So it was a great opportunity to visit and to, you know, and to listen, of course.
0: Mm-hmm. Interact with people of like minds, so, you know, obviously. Kentucky has its stories.
10: It does, and I, I've met, I've only been in Kentucky since last August, and I've already met some really interesting people, and I've gone out on a couple of um, expeditions uh-huh. with some folks I've camped in a couple of places, and um, it's been interesting, you know. I grew up in West Virginia, and I've lived in 10 states since then, and so everywhere from Florida to, you know, the Carolinas and, you um, I know that there's a Bigfoot tradition everywhere.
0: Mm-hmm. How did this start for you as a child, or did you come into it later?
10: It did not start as a child. You know, people have asked me that because of growing up in West Virginia and, mm-hmm. and the mountains, and you know, certainly there's a lot of natural Bigfoot habitat there, but not, th- not there for me. About, about six or seven years ago, for some reason, um, I just started reading. Like everyone else, I would follow people, Facebook groups, and I would listen um, to audio. And, you know, as I'm a career journalist, and so um, I'm just naturally curious about a lot of things. But, you know, I didn't realize what kind of a rabbit hole I was about to go down. And so in, in the process of my studying, um, I connected with some people. Um, one of those people is a gentleman here, and... Um, in Washington State, his name was Dr. Matthew Johnson, mm-hmm. and um, he invited me to. I had communicated with him online. He invited me to his research area, and it was in Southern Oregon. And um, uh, little did I know what would happen to me there. Um, but I want to. I want to back up just a second so I can explain this. Um, in two thousand and nine. Um, my partner and I purchased a home in Michigan, a home that, it's a modern house, and the back side of it was, was two-story, but it was all glass, like floor-to-ceiling windows. Mm-hmm. Really pretty, but it, it backed up into the forest and into wetlands, and there were no homes around us, and there were miles of trails, hiking trails, and greenway and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and I would hike there and walk for exercise almost every day, and there were places in that forest where it just got weird. There was a place there um, where you crossed a marsh, and it was a very tight, like, old pine stand, very dense, where, you know, where the sun doesn't shine and it gets noticeably dark. And I, I would joke. I told Steve, this is the enchanted forest. And um, But it scares me because every time I'd sort of cross into that area, I would get real visceral reactions, you know, just um, the hair standing up on my arms. I would just feel... zapped isn't the right word but Mm -hmm. really intense a total energy shift and almost this don't walk in here this went on for years i would never walk in that part of the forest and finally you know i was just like this is stupid gonna walk in there and so i went in i found the most beautiful area um i'll show it to you it's on my phone um a, a great kind of uh, it almost looks like a forest amphitheater, and there's a giant tree. Old hardwoods are there, and pines, and where lightning hit this tree, and this is a giant tree that looks three pronged, and three pronged, and I call it my angel tree. And I used to go out there, um, and I would take my Bible or something to read, and I would just sit in front of that tree. And I would walk around there, and this was sort of coinciding with my interest in Bigfoot, right? And, I mean, I must have, have in in the end, walked through there hundreds of times, you know, and and gone out there to sit. So I was there all the time, and, and I was visibly predictable. So it was my place. So,
0: but th- was this a conscious thing that you were doing to create a pattern as far as being
10: not predictable? In the, not, not in the beginning. Not mm-hmm. in the beginning. But so so these, these things are going to co- collide. So I, I thought about Bigfoot. But, you know, even though I was out in the forest far from home and alone, mm-hmm. I, 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 I didn't think anything would happen to me, nor did I think that I would have a sighting. All I knew is that I was definitely in, in great habitat, you know far from anything with food, water, you know, cover and Mm -hmm. all of that. So, subsequently, I went, I came out here and met, met with Dr. Johnson. I'd never seen him before in my life. We went to Oregon and we camped for about four days, no lights, no tents, no fires. We slept in the open on a ridge line and, um, well, that's when I became a knower. And, you know, people people use that term in Bigfoot world, but that's when a lot of really crazy things happened. I've never been more paralyzed with fear in my life. I mean, I, you know, he taped with a parabolic microphone the whole time they were there, so there's just a, no denying what went on there. But I, I came back from that really sort of... Um, in a different headspace, because my world kind of shifted after that, after what we saw out there. And, and he knew that they were there. He'd been habituating this area for 10 years.
0: Don't leave us in suspense. You're so good at that, Andrea. Tell us what you saw. <laughs> okay, so, so <laughs> this I mean, is the journalist dragging out this. I'm, I want to hear. I'm so
10: sorry. I'm Southern. We tell a long story. <laughs> um, so, um, so many things happened out there. Um, one night, um, I was awakened, sleeping on a cot. It was freezing, so I was way down in there, and it's about three in the morning, and it was like the forest came alive. Um, the wood knocking started over the ridge lines. Mm-hmm. Um, you would start to hear a whoop or two coming over, and you know it resonates because you're up. I'm a million miles away on, like, old federal forest land, mm-hmm. and um, then we started getting the owl calling, uh-huh. and then really, really weird barking noises that almost sound like it was canine. Uh-huh. And I, I I, mean, I'm talking about I'm having an out-of-body experience. It was all that I could do to jump in, in the, the vehicle that we had there and say, make it stop, mommy, make it stop. And so, you know, he, I woke him and he calmed me down. And for two hours, this this racket went on and this barking that was, it's just the strangest noise. I mean, it it felt like it was 30 feet away. So understand that we're kind of in a clearing, but we're just surrounded by forest canopy. Mm -hmm. But that's when I was like, holy God, you know, what is out there? Because these are not sounds that are in in the normal capacity. And, you know, I'd heard people talk about whooping and tree knocking, and I was like, well, damn, if this isn't the truth, you know what I'm saying? And so that was one night. I, I don't... I don't think I slept for the rest of that night. Another night, I woke up, and there was a footprint behind my head that was about five inches long, and there was just one, like a, like a, a tiny mm-hmm. little footprint. And, you know, seeing that in person is, is also just a shocking confirmation because mm-hmm. clearly some little one had scampered up behind me in the middle of the night and stood there, and I was totally not, not aware. But, but one night we were out there, and he, was, um, he had his iPhone out, And he was playing music, you know, walking around. Played it for a really long time, all kinds of things. And we sang a little bit and what have you. I was starting to feel a little bit more comfortable at this point being up there, although I was frightened for days. Um, And we had the the strangeness going, the the twinkling lights that we saw on the ground. We started to see eye glow, you know. Mm -hmm. And then...
0: Describe the twinkling lights, because I know what you mean. The white lights generally like little sparkles or glitter
10: it, it's 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 a very strange phenomenon and i wouldn't even believe it if i didn't see it but it does look like those tiny little christmas lights that you might string on that kind of burst on and off mm-hmm. and they're kind of low to the ground what i saw and um that th- they they twinkle i mean it's like little energy pops that are going on around you and you start adjusting your eyes thinking mm-hmm. is this happening you know, and so that went on, um, I Glow, we, we could hear some movement, bipedal, what sounded like bipedal movement, but n- nothing walked out and shook our hands at that point, but there there was a clearing up ahead, and we were so high that the ambient light was shining through the trees, so I, I looked to, to my left, and I, I see movement, catches my eye, and then, it, because it, we're in the pitch darkness, understand there's nothing there. The only light there is, is from the phone. Mm-hmm. So I see something move again, and I, I fixated my eyes on this point. And then the longer you look in the darkness, your eyes start to to try to adjust. Mm-hmm. And I saw a shape, and then I was just having that terrible first experience that anyone has. You're just like, no, no. In my head, I'm like, no. I mean, my eyes are playing tricks This is on what you
0: eyes. came for, it and is. now you're faced oh with Oh, my it.
10: gosh, you know. I did come for that and I wanted the experience, but I have to tell anybody out there that, you know, there's no there's no bravery in this, there's no courage because Dr. Johnson is six foot ten mm-hmm. and whatever stood there and began to sway just slowly, like you, you had to barely be perceptibly, but the sway was the movement I saw. You know, eventually I came to terms with it. It was at least two feet taller than he was. And that is when it hit me. I was like, oh, my gosh. And, and, and up until that moment, I didn't really say anything to him. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he, he had seen it. And I don't know if he didn't want to scare me, but he didn't say anything. And I said, it's, I, I mean, I started to articulate something. I can't even remember what I said. And he goes, do you see him? He goes, that's like Big Daddy. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And my, here, here's what I did. It's the truth. I looked down at my feet, and I grabbed the pants leg of him, and I basically, I'm 5'3". So I just plastered myself beside him, and if he took a step, I took a step. I could not move. And then every horrible thought that you have, now I've processed this, and so many things have happened to me since then, I'm I'm in a different comfort zone. Mm -hmm. But then...
0: But watching you relive it here as I sit with you and we talk, I see what I see in so many other witnesses is that you've been brought back to that moment here as we're talking. And I still see you. My stomach
10: you. is jumping. Yeah. Kind of almost shivering.
0: Yeah. It's a profound, almost traumatic PT. It's within the realm of a stress marker. You know, I don't want to use the word disorder, but you know what I'm saying. There's anxiety involved with this still.
10: There, there is anxiety. I think part of it is, um, for me, was I've never seen anything that close to me in nature that that's, a, that that's that big. Like a giraffe in a zoo is is a different thing, but just something that it casts that kind of shadow. And this thing is back into the tree line. Like, I don't make out facial features. I'm, I just make out body shape in the shadow, and it's moving. And then I'm like, it could take literally three steps. And I would be consumed. Like, you know that something that big mm-hmm. it is gonna could be on me in a hot second, but it didn't. And and it, as a part of my strategy just not to pass out, to, like, drop to my knees because that's how I felt, mm-hmm. um, I was like, well, 30 seconds have passed and I'm not dying. <laughs> and 30 <laughs> seconds more have passed and it's not stepping out of the woods. And Matt told me that there is another one. And... <laughs> on the other side of this trail that went back into the forest a smaller one and i saw the outline and i was again dear god there are it's not just one but there are two and the second one was smaller but still small being relative and i'm i am literally shaking kind of talking about this i mean but they didn't do anything they they did not vocalize i didn't smell anything at that point um it was just there and um
0: Was it just you and Matt at the time? Yes. Nobody else was
10: up? Not a single, nobody else was there. We went up there together. Okay. I think he, you know, he's taken a lot of people to his research area, really Mm. because he spent so much time down there, and I think he just wanted to confirm to the greater world to take people Mm. there to see what he saw, and I think that's a pretty good strategy, honestly. Was he hoping
0: that you would talk about this and write about it? was there there was never any of that discussion
10: he he never ever I I want to be completely clear I don't think he brought me there so I would write about him Mm -hmm. I think he brought me there because he considered me a person who had never done this but who might have some credibility in the world Mm -hmm. I mean I'm a journalist I've interviewed a lot of well-known successful celebrity people in government Mm -hmm. politics and Mm -hmm. and what have you and so i mean i don 't know if I 'm more credible than any witness i don 't think so, but um, mm. I think he knew that if I were to ever talk about it mm. and and i 've thought long and hard about you know talking about it outing myself you know <laughs> um, at my office now I have little bigfoot stickers on my on my mm. my nameplate there, and my kids now I have little bigfoot dolls, but I mean at that time, you know, I knew far less than I know now. Mm. And so I came back to my forest in Michigan, which brings me back to what I was trying to tell you.
0: You're coming full circle.
10: We are, we are. Sorry, I'm a Southern person, That's and I tell right. a long story. So, so I am out in my woods one day, and it's a beautiful day, and I'm, in, I'm sitting there, I'm doing everything that I ever do, and um, I, I'm still in the place where I'm processing what had happened to me in Oregon. And I said in my head, if you're real, then show yourself. Damn it, just show yourself. And then, of course, my, I thought, that is a horrible thing to say to to someone or anyone. These, you know, how, how dare me demand that anyone show themselves to wow. me? But I don't know what made me say that. Nothing happened, of course. So I, I stood up and I was going to walk back to the end of the trail and um, it's a, a long walk. And I am about maybe. 50 feet off a trail there and I turned and I looked to my left and they're moving like a like a jet is something red and I'm talking about I've never seen anything move so fast in my life and the thing that's notable about this sighting for me is that I saw hair not for hair moving like in in the the the, the propulsion that's
0: the red object Mm
10: -hmm. and 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 the propulsion this hair is swinging in in the movement Mm -hmm. and all at once it just went down dropped down and
0: slammed down it it went
10: down and i i mean i about stroked because i'm like holy god you know did i just is this what i'm seeing and you your mind goes to that place where you're going to process. Is this a fox? No, whatever I saw is at eye level. Is it a flying squirrel? Well, I don't even know if we have those in Michigan. And for some reason, I start to walk toward it. And I'm by myself in the forest with nothing but a phone and a book. And so I walk, I take about 15 steps, and I I hear nothing. I I hear nothing. I see nothing. And, And then it dawned on me. You're in the forest alone, baby, and you're you are more than a mile from anything. And I turned around and I took off running, and I am not a runner. And I ran as far as I could go until I thought I was going to have a heart attack. And I sat down on a log. And see, I'm shaking to tell you this this part of it. So I sat down on the log. I'm like, what happened to me? What did I see? What did I see? And this this may sound weird to somebody, but I looked across the forest and the terrain where i was was rolling up and down so i just looked across the way and i'm out of breath and out of the top of a tree came a log and and in thinking it backwards this thing was not falling end to end Mm -hmm. It, it went over horizontal as if someone went and stuck their hands out and dropped it and i'm talking about it's it's falling from 80 feet up i mean and, and in the distance but I'm watching it go
0: so you mean like rolling down horizontally like you would roll it down a hill but dropped from 80 feet up
10: I mean it, 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 it it's initial it wasn't fall.
0: cascading like
10: no uh, it's initial yeah. fall it was yeah. lo- th- this log is about this big at least it looked that big from where I, my right, vista right, so you're
0: showing your hands about two and a half feet
10: and, and it's coming, coming out horizontally as mm-hmm. if someone stuck their hands out and presented it as opposed to heaving it, you know, elbow over or end over end. It's right. just coming out horizontally. Which is
0: impossible, right? I mean, it sounds impossible. It,
10: it, no, and, and it, it seems impossible. And, and my shock was like, oh my God, you know, now I'm out of breath. Is something following me and trying to get my attention? And now I think that's exactly what, what had happened. It's like, we know you saw. And there's not, it's not just one of us, and we're going to get your attention. And, you know, in hindsight, I now don't think that that was aggressive. I think it was, ha, 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 we know you're out here. You're out here every day, and we see you every day, and we know who you are. Mm-hmm. And, and we're going to tell you. We know now that you know that we are, and so this is your confirmation. We are here with you. And so at that point, I, I became a marathoner. <laughs> I picked up and I, I hauled ass out of that forest. I ran until I could, almost to my, to my front step. And um, I called Dr. Johnson after that and, and with, the, with the ridiculous, you're not going to believe what's going to happen to me. And of course he was like, oh, oh I believe yeah. what has happened to you. And you know he, he is a psychologist, you know, a clinical psychologist. And he was very good in terms of helping me to just process what I'd gone through. Right. But after that, in, in, in the time hints, um, I would come out here to your area and I would I've camped a bunch of times and what have you. But I had all kinds of incidents that happened to me out there in that forest. I mean, just ridiculous things. Things would be left on my back porch. Um, we had sliding glass door in our bedroom like floor, like I said, hu- huge sliding glass doors. and we never even pulled the blinds or anything because we faced no one, right? Well, I, I would have a giant maple leaf like stuck into the handle.
4: Mm.
10: There are plastic things left, like I said, back there. There were sometimes we have a a big lab dog who would at night just stand on the back of our porch and stand rigid. Sometimes she would just disappear. I mean disappear for like more than an hour. And we were like where yeah. is she? You couldn't
0: going? get her to come back after calling her.
10: No, we could not. And then, all at once, she would wander back up, and she was completely happy and Our dog is um a seizure dog, and she takes medications for seizures mm-hmm. and she has a funny gait sometimes she'll lose all her back legs like she'll fall oh, right you know and some of my friends have have said they think that the sasquatches would sit back there. There's a gully behind our house about maybe about fifty yards from from our from our yard. there was a a gully that sort of sunk about four feet. Mm-hmm. I think that. Whoever lived out there came and sat in that golly and watched us all the time, knew what we were doing and knew that dog, and she knew that they were there too. She would stand in the same place, just like this, and look in the same direction, and then she would disappear. Well, one time I woke up, and at the very back of the property, there was a weaving that appeared, like vines that had been woven in in different patterns. And, I mean, it went, just the strangeness, went on and on it's almost like something was knocking on my door and saying hey 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 guess who lives out here and you know we're here too um and and so when i only because i knew they were there i only ever took a handful of people to visit there so my friends tim and jim were the people who visited the most so over christmas tim had had massive sightings um he owns a property in northern Michigan, and he, he very well knew what I was going through. And Jim had also had, had his experiences, and so we, we would meet for Christmas. They were kind of like my Bigfoot friends in Michigan. Mm-hmm. We'd meet for, for lunch every Christmas, and so we went out in the woods and said, let's hike. Three years ago, we hiked, and we found Tragway. Now, and you, we were all shocked as can be, just to see this because you read about trackway and blah 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 blah, everyone talks about it, but there it was, sure, sure as day, and we took pictures and mm. and I was like, "No, this no, you know so we, we we came off trail and we we tim had a tape measure with him, and we measured this trackway that kind of came up and over the hill, it mm. crossed the trail, and then we saw it again um up the hill and over the trail, and mm. um these were. You know, the, every, it's the thing that everyone says. It's single tracks in, in a in a line, in a line an and, and with a with a massive stride, uh. you know. And so, I, again, for me, I'm I'm the doubting Thomas. I think it's my training just to, to be skeptical or, about right. everything. Right. I was like, I cannot believe we found that trackway, and, but I had two people with me who were yeah. like, that's a trackway. Okay. Fast forward, next Christmas, Tim and Jim came down. They said, you want to hike in the woods? And it was like nine degrees. And we were like, oh, okay. So we go out there. We look around, we don't really see much, nothing is happening. But Tim and Jim also had real visceral reactions in certain places out there too. They knew what happened. And so we're, we're coming back close to home and lo and behold, we find another truckway. And this, this thing went, I don't know, may, maybe a fifth of a mile through the woods. But what was really notable about this truckway is it had a foot anomaly. The, the what I think is the right foot had like a splay where, where the little toe was. It mm-hmm. kind of digited out like this, like maybe a bunion or something. It was a very odd anomaly. Did
0: the toe come out, or did it have a bunion attached to the side? All you can see
10: all five toes, uh-huh. and, and this this the little little toe was uh-huh. out, and then there was a little like
0: like a bone protuberance on yes. the outer part yes. of the foot.
10: Yes, and it continued through every... Mm. We, we, we walked beside that truckway, mm. and we were very careful.
0: It reminds me of the cripple foot, Bigfoot cast, which I'll show you a picture of, where they have kind of a bony protuberance.
10: You know, it wasn't huge, mm. but, but it was en- enough to know that it's this individual who's right. walking. Right. And so we walked alongside it, and Jim, who's pretty tall, tried to mask the stride, not even close not even close and so um, this, this trackway went until it met up at another trail sort of over the way mm-hmm. and then stopped it's just that strange like where did it go we could not find it anywhere Okay,
0: so it didn't just stop it disappeared okay All right. just, just,
10: I mean it, what did it do I mean where, where did it go and understand that in both these instances it's snow this is, this is a trackway in snow so it is just un, undoubtable, you know, it's, it's sunken, uh, heavy snow. It's Michigan and mm-hmm. stuff. And so, so for two years running, we found this trackway. And so, I mean.
0: Same individual? I, I don't is think. hard to tell?
10: I don't think that it's the same individual. Okay. But, but whoever it was had similar sized mm-hmm. tracks. You know, they, I don't remember the length, but they, they were similar and large. I mean. Incredible close and so you know what do you do with all that how do you wrap your head around that you know it's like I, I went through days where I thought this did not happen to me and yet it was happening to me right. and, and I think people you know one of the things I would say to people these things are subtle the, all of these things add up to something but I'm, I'm going to guess that a lot of this was going on in my, out there and I wasn't I paying notice. attention right. to it so in hindsight and then you know now I, I, I would go out there I found a structure pictures of the structure. A huge structure. I mean, mm. huge. Big enough for me to walk into, okay, mm-hmm. off the trail. I'm 5'3", and I could walk in and not bump my head. And I took pictures of this. So odd. Um,
0: and where was this at, the structure?
10: Right near where I'm at, my Okay. I'm off trail. Okay.
0: And made with woven branches and sticks, the usual? I,
10: I think I stopped counting at like 106.
0: 106, wow.
10: This thing was... A tree, a tree had fallen over, and the structure; these branches oh, they, were into that they tree. Utilize they
0: utilized what did. was there.
10: They did, they did, and, and again, I thought I was being punked because I saw that, and I was like, <laughs> "Somebody in my knows my Bigfoot fascination. They have gone out there. and They may be the MacDaddy. You're not of all being structures.
0: punked. I think we're all being punked. We're here with Andrea Billups. Uh, we're being punked by Bigfoot constantly, and we don't mind it happening. She's a professor, a journalist, and she's uh, worked with uh, quite a few people in and around Oregon, not only Matt, but Barb and Gabby, and I, gone you know, out on I, retreats I, with them.
10: I've, I've not gone out on retreats with Barb and Gabby, but, okay. I, but I know Barb and I know Samantha mm-hmm. and um, a lot of people mm-hmm. who squatch in this area. Like right. I, I communicate with those this people. This is up
0: sometimes. near Mount Rainier in Enumclaw and Greenwater. We're underneath the shadow of Mount Rainier right now. In fact, we're coming up on May and snow was predicted today so we're still in kind of like a you know the shadow of the snowy pacific northwest and so snowy prints could be something you could find out here in the back door i appreciate your time we are here with joe hauser of the montana vortex mind was blown and you kind of knew that was going to happen to the majority of the audience but being as immersed as i've been over the last 15 years with the subject of paranormal bigfoot anything um i would never seen anybody captivate an audience or a room the way you did and so bravo for the work because there's work involved with pulling away that Mm -hmm. kind of footage do they appreciate the work you put in there probably not Mm -hmm. they can do whatever they want and you know They don't want our heads to get too big with all the cool stuff. But that was some cool footage. And so for the audience that doesn't know what I'm talking about here, Joe showed through a closed-circuit TV inside the Montana Vortex, which is your property, which I want to ask you about that property in general. But uh, he showed footage of what looked like a light being of some kind, interacting, kind of floating, morphing like you would picture an amoeba underneath a microscope into shapes, and it was physical, yet it was not physical. Did I come close in yeah, describing I mean, this?
11: It came, came very well. <laughs> it appears like it's physical to begin with, and then it morphs into some sort of light or energy being yeah. and tends to float around inside the, uh, inside the house of mystery at the Montana Vortex.
0: And it's okay, so the panned, you know, the camera is panned out inside of a closed room, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the wood slats that we're, we see in the background there are probably how far from the camera?
11: About 15 feet, 12, okay. 15 feet, yeah, something like that. And
0: so, between, I would say, between zero, which would be the camera lens, and five feet at the most, is what appears to be light in the shape of an image and it's coming from left side of the camera moving to the right and it is like mid-air it is like jelly uh it's very hard to explain it's something you have to see right so when can people actually see this for themselves
11: well actually i'm not sure about that okay Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to release it publicly or just keep it for select audiences mm-hmm. like uh we did today and stuff like that. Right. This is the second time I've shown it at a Sasquatch conference. I've got positive feedback from it, but <laughs> uh, I don't I don't have any any need really to put it out publicly. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking for any you know acclaim on it. I think it would you've seen, so, you've seen you've seen so much Joe people's world it would uh, change it
0: and I'm excited to talk to you because I, I'm sensing so much of myself in you, is that you've seen so much and I've had baptism through fire over the last two years with all of this, mm-hmm. but yet you've been immersed in it for years and you've seen a lot of crazy crap, but this g- caught you off guard, like I could tell, and you even mentioned it, just like this one even surprised me, oh, yeah. <laughs> right? The guy that owns the Vortex House.
11: No, when I came in and I saw that on the video or on the uh, <clears throat> on the. The screen, I mean, I couldn't get my... I knew it wasn't recording. I had. I couldn't get my phone out fast enough. And then I was actually shaking. The hair was standing up on my, on my arms. Yeah. And I knew it was something that had never been recorded before. I mean, I don't think anybody has a being that comes in in a physical presence and turns into a light or energy mm-hmm. being like that. And so I, I think we... When Tammy came in, my wife, and started helping me video... We were both watching it, and we were kind of like, pinch us, you know, because this is something that's actually phenomenal.
0: And you asked for this.
11: We asked for it, yeah. Yeah. We went down, when we put the camera in the House of Mystery, we told the uh, Sasquatch that are there that we're going to put a camera in there. We don't want to trick them. We told them that. Uh, And uh, I left the camera in there for uh, a day, went back the next day, and it was either tossed out the window or taken outside, and put outside about 10 foot uh, from the House of Mystery. So I, I took it back inside. I told them again. I go, look, you know, you got to respect us too. I'm respecting you by coming down and telling you that we're putting the camera in here. Mm-hmm. If you want to be in it, that's fine. If you uh, don't, then please don't come in the House of Mystery. But I, I really want to put the camera in here. And then I it just came to me. I I, I said... You know, also, don't you think it's time that you showed people what you really are? And uh, it took a few days before they came through or finally made the decision to come in there. But uh, they did. And I I think when you look at that video, I I personally, I believe it is a Sasquatch or a Bigfoot. And I think that they are showing us in that video what they're capable of. Not even maybe just touching on what they're capable of, but they definitely have a physical presence in this dimension. They don't, they leave evidence, mm-hmm. they leave footprints, but they also have an energy side to them where they can morph into this energy being and perhaps even into a large orb and fly off you, through walls. Yeah. That, like that was
0: almost like a throwdown or a dare to them, show people what you really are. Not show Joe Hauser, did you already know, and you
11: I already suspected okay yeah i I've suspected for a long time, and i and I've been on this path with the whole yeah. interdimensional energy being thing for a right. long time, but I, I i just was hoping that uh they would give us something that was really uh definitive that would really show people uh, uh-huh. what their capabilities are.
0: So the Montana vortex the house the property itself how did you come in to take it over
11: My well, purchased it about 16 years ago it was a rundown roadside attraction and the people that had it really didn't know what they had they'd never attempted to measure the energy field or anything else they they just run it they just ran it like a roadside attraction they knew there was something there mm-hmm. so when I came in uh, I hired uh, it's okay. Some scientists to work with me, and we brought meters in. We measured the field. We've done it many times since then. Uh, We outlined that. We found out the field uh, conforms to a Fibonacci spiral. And uh, we knew there was one vortex at the House of Mystery. We discovered uh, actually three other vortexes that we uh, know where the lines of energy are on those two. And so we developed a guided tour based on what we discovered we show people about 18 different demonstrations in the energy field. We teach uh-huh. them how to see their aura, play with their own energy field. And our, our goal is to educate people about the Earth's electromagnetic field uh-huh. and the different strange things that happen there. That um, <clears throat> the world's not what really what we really think it is. There's all kinds of things happening that if you look at it as far as mainstream classical science, you can't uh-huh. explain it. you look at it in terms of energy and quantum physics then there's explanations behind it
0: there goes the toilet (laughs) that's not the end of the show though (laughs) um you're like a kid in a candy store in a place that you love it's your business it's your passion not everybody has the chance to do that in life i mean you you are living the dream not only of me but countless other people upstairs right now and you know it Mm -hmm. like you're you're totally aware of the fact that this is going to surprise you every, every season, right? I mean, every season you build up on a new neat amount things. of information.
11: All right? Yeah. New things we're always, uh, <clears throat> you're right. I mean, I love what I do. I love the vortex where we live. My wife has been there seven years now, Tammy, and, uh, she came in more skeptical, uh, but over a period of seven years, she's mm-hmm. seen so many things, too. Mm-hmm. And we talk about it ourselves. I think I mentioned in my talk today, if we go two or three or four days mm-hmm. without anything happening, it's like we look at each other mm-hmm. and we go nothing happened. What's going on? You know, and right. then, uh, invariably something happens, but uh, all the time we give thanks and we have gratitude that we're able to experience this energy field mm-hmm. and all the different entities and things that, uh, that go through there. And, um, you know, we, we tell them, everybody mm-hmm. we're, we're thankful that we're here and given this opportunity, mm-hmm. not only to be able to educate people about that kind of thing, but also just that we can experience it ourselves. And
0: you, and you um, I mean, here you are in a place that you you have lab settings set up. For example, the the height measurement setting area is kind of like a sealed off little experiment that people can enjoy. But these little thinning veils or spots of the fawn, to mm-hmm. use Alyssa's turn, they're everywhere around the globe. People don't have to just come to Montana no. to experience this. Where Are there places you can, can su- suggest to look, place names? Native American names? I mean, where can people look for these to actually experience what you have as One an attraction? One
11: have noticed is most sacred sites in the world or in the United States where there's petroglyphs or different things like that. Mm. Uh, most of those places are in electromagnetic anomalies. They're energy fields. And, and the, the Native cultures actually all over the world have recognized uh, those energy fields. Most of the major cathedrals in Europe are built uh, on energy fields. Notre Dame, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's an energy field. And most of those places were pagan sites mm-hmm. long before the church came in and, and built on them and, and tried to get people inside. But, um,
0: <clears throat> are these classical understood as like ley lines or power lines that intersect?
11: Yeah, there's a grid of, uh, of ley lines that go all over the earth, mm-hmm. both running north and south, east and west. And uh, these ley lines are generally considered to be 60, 65 miles wide. And a lot of times these sacred sites are on these ley lines. And we've documented a lot of them uh, between our Montana vortex and going all the way down into Arizona. But um, generally, uh, no matter where you go in Europe or whatever, there's generally a ley line that a lot of these different things. Do you follow these
0: Um, ley lines when you're on road trips?
11: We try to, yeah, uh huh. Okay. We try to follow them, and if you look at uh, if you look at the sacred sites, mm-hmm. well, there's pectigloss here, and then right. there's something here, and there's something here, yeah. and they're all in a narrow band. And then every once in a while, you get something that's outside yeah. of there. It doesn't mean that they all have to be on these ley lines, but uh, there's definitely um, <clears throat> there's actually a pattern to them. One of our uh, scientists. Imagine a geodesic dome, they're all triangles. We have the Bermuda Triangle, Um, we have other uh, ocean vortexes, but uh, he has a theory that uh, if you took a triangle and it had 54 miles on each side with an apex of 51 degrees, 54 miles is the square of the Great Pyramids, 51 degrees is the apex of the Great Pyramids, And theoretically, we believe there should be a vortex at each of the points on that triangle. Smaller vortex fields like the Montana vortex. Mm. And then they're all held into place by larger vortex fields that might uh, actually encompass or control uh, several of these smaller fields. So predictably, we have tried using that triangulation, we have predicted that there should be a vortex in Orla Texas. Uh, we went there. We found a vortex field there. We predicted there's one in Delta, Utah. We haven't been able to go there yet, but we feel once we go there, we'll be able to find a vortex in that area. So knowing that they're laid out in a Fibonacci spiral, mm-hmm. knowing that there's math behind it, uh, <clears throat> this, is, this is not something that just happened by happenstance. This is This is a higher level of consciousness that's created these energy fields itself.
0: Did you no. come in with this intensive knowledge about, you know, ley lines and Fibonacci circles or is this all learned over a period I, of time?
11: I, I've always been involved in ley lines and that type of mm-hmm. stuff, but all of the other the other stuff, the Fibonacci, mm-hmm. the uh, <clears throat> correlation between the pyramids and stuff mm-hmm. like that are all things that I've learned mm-hmm. just in the time of being there. Our vortexes too have a unique alignment in that we have three of them. Uh, A 54-foot one, a 108-foot one, and a 216-foot one. And then the 435-foot one is further away. But uh, they're all (coughs) fractals. Uh, 54, 108, 216... Uh, 432, and nature tends to have many different things that follow fractal patterns. They get bigger or double as they go out. Plants do that. Same with the Fibonacci spiral. There's over 1,400 plants in North America alone that have seeds, leaves, or stems that rotate in a vortex spiral that conform to the Fibonacci number sequence. What's unique about our place, though, is the centers of the vortexes we can identify Two of the centers are in a straight line, and one of them is off 19 degrees, uh, approximately 19 degrees. Well, that shows up too, the Great Pyramids. You're in a straight line. Wyndham's oh. off 19.5 oh. degrees. Uh, Orion's, Orion's belt, Orion's belt, has that. Which, yeah. yeah, same same right. configuration. So we're just a few degrees off of that 19.5. Interestingly, when Orion rises in the winter time over Columbia Mountain, it matches up as a mirror image to the vor- to the uh, vortexes oh, wow. that are there. So it, it kind of <laughs> gets bigger the more you look at it yeah
0: and uh, what about books or anything like that do you have i mean as far as a guy that should have a history channel show following around with you know uninformed british guys with cameras <laughs> following you <in> and <laughs> all over the vortex it should be you instead of the guys that i mean i love the curse of oak island don't get me wrong but how how far can you dig have you ever been approached by a I, major yeah, network I, I, or I a book been deal
11: approached by uh, several different uh <laughs> reality tv shows yeah. i just interviewed for one uh back you, about three months ago you turn
0: um, them all down or what happened no, i haven't
11: turned them down okay. I, I listen to their proposals and stuff like yeah. that we've actually shot a couple of reality shows that uh, didn't make the cut mm-hmm. um and in you know, I, I participated in them. One of them was kind of a dorky show, but, you know, it had some good stuff in it, and I thought I could provide uh, some substance to it. Um, <clears throat> eventually, they kind of changed it around and, right. and did it in a different format. So it's a possibility in the uh, future. Yeah, it's a possibility, yeah. I've been approached several times on shows, but so far, okay. uh, either I haven't made the cut or the show right. hasn't been sold to the major networks. Okay. Actually, in Missoula, Montana, we have um, we have a production company there that has done the, well. They've they've done the Mountain Man, mm-hmm. the Mountain Man show, Airport Repo, airplane repo. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, they they have actually shot several um, several different reality TV shows, and they've been there a couple times exploring possibilities and stuff like that.
0: All right, stay tuned, folks. It could happen with the right combination. Joe Hauser, Montana Vortex, incredible light being footage that was shown exclusively here at the International Primal People Convention. I don't know when you can see this footage yourself, so you had to kind of be here. There is a rumor now going around, though, that there might be a fourth annual, an annual, I say now, a fourth annual Primal People Convention in 2020. So this is in Enumclaw, Washington, and thank you again, Joe.
11: Thank you, Joey. Appreciate yeah, it. Absolutely.
0: We're here with Pearl Parada, and she's written a book here called Bigfoot Myth or Reality, Manotang. And Pearl approached me, and uh, I think you kind of knew a little bit about what was uh, going on on the property somewhat, uh, that we're calling the Al Moon Lab. But as far as like the handprints that I mentioned to you that have this white phosphorus chalky appearance here. You're extremely interested because you've been talking about finding this white chalky residue in areas for years.
6: Since since 1991 is when I first found it. And I was way out the riverbed. uh, Nobody around. And the rock was huge. It was as big, probably about as big as my body, long. And probably about three foot tall. And it had this white powdery talking crystal stuff with a pounding rock on it and it drew my attention. But I didn't really think that much of it at the time. I took a picture and then went on my route down the river. Well, I make this round about once a week. The next time I went out there, the thing was cut like clean cut right at the deposit. It looked like somebody had taken a lapidary saw or something out there and cut this rock mm-hmm. and all this white powdery stuff was exposed. First thing I did, when I, and my daughter was with me, was put my finger in it and eat it. Well, I had done studies of the area. I know there's arsenic out there. Arsenic is white, powdery, crystalline. I knew better than to put that stuff in my mouth. But it was the first thing I did. I called my daughter over. First thing she did was lick it, <laughs> grab it, and eat it. Well, that made me a little leery. So I, I took samples of it. I had it sent to Oshkosh University. Mm-hmm. Had a spectrum analysis done on it. Totally consumable. It's like a vitamin pack, except for one thing they couldn't identify. Very high energy energy. Very, very high energy and slightly radioactive. Well, to analyze radioactive substances costs more money and more extensive testing. But from all my research, everything I've done, it was pointing directly at this rubidium. And rubidium, number one, commonly alloys with gold. I find a lot of... uh, activity around old mining areas, old gold mines. Mm-hmm. If you if you look in the waste that, that they throw out, you're probably gonna find some rubidium. Like the tailings that are coming out of yes. the yeah, they slag yeah, the stuff slag, yeah. They don't use. Right. Well Rubidium is used in in laboratories with uh, it's called electromagnetic-induced transparency, and they do use rubidium. Rubidium is found in all human bodies. Rubidium-87 has no known biological function. They, they haven't figured out what it's for, but it's still there. Now, as years go by, because I was saying this stuff's in nature. There is something in nature that actually holds a natural negative refractive index, well, when I started this, they said, "No, no, it's metamaterials. It's made in a lab." Well, here recently they found this hyperbolic tunable natural negative refractive index material found in nature. Affirmation, confirmation. I've 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 got it. I I knew it was out there. I really well, knew Okay, so help me,
0: Pearl, help the audience here. Are you saying that this rubidium, that this white phosphorus powder helps initiate cloaking and visibility yes. of things like Sasquatch when they consume it? What, yes. What's your theory? On,
6: on one of uh, Bobby Short's uh, pages, there is an article, and it's out about the Clallam Indians up here, and it was it's from the Seattle Times, like 1924, and it talks about a native named Henry Napoleon, who was taken, I think they were called siatka i can't remember the exact name that tribe used for him but Siatko. there it is mm-hmm. he, he was taken underground through a long tunnel and this is all in this article to their dwelling and he visited with them for a while and in this newspaper report it says that they use a strange medicine they rub on their bodies to gain invisibility and that was in nineteen twenty four that in the Seattle I have a copy of it. I, I bought it. Yeah. So I mean it, i don't think it's coincidence. One thing leads to another. Mm-hmm. It was totally accidental that I found this. I had no idea.
0: So there but, there's a rumor, well, we'll say if there was an article written about it, there was an article over a hundred years old or thereabouts where there is a theory that someone a man was taken to an underground lair taught by sasquatch on how to use phosphorus rubidium and rub it on their skin in order to be invisible
6: i'm not sure that he was taught but he was told By who by the Shiatco, okay, okay, yes, exactly. yes, and they said that he u- they use a strange medicine.
0: Strange medicine is what they yes, called
6: they it. called it a medicine. Uh-huh. Okay,
0: which you consumed.
6: Oh <laughs> yeah, which I did. I had no idea, you know that yeah. it, 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 you rub it on your body. Yeah. Well, so that that initiated a whole years of research. Then I go into photonic crystals and blue green algae because if it's a medicine, and 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 I know what they say about assuming, but I'm just gathering that it's a compound. It's more than one thing. It's not just this white powdery stuff. You put that white powdery stuff on you and I think it would shake off eventually. You're gonna need something that would make it adhere. Mm-hmm. But when you have these photonic crystals, they too help with the negative refractive index and it's high energy blue green algae is high energy and can also give a negative refractive index so and i haven't quite figured out i think there's three three is the magic number i haven't quite figured out what the third component would be but. Hopefully, before I die, I am working on it. I will figure it out. <laughs> Hopefully, one day, I uh, I can't help it. I, I I'm obsessed with it. As far I, as
0: like the things like the cloaking uh, yes. sheet that they use, like in China. They've come up with this cloaking sheet that covers people. Are they using this rubidium in order to bend light? Is this one of the No, them are done
6: with mirrors and metamaterials. Okay. They, that's all... Nanotech and Yes, made coming. in a lab. It's not a naturally, a, naturally okay. occurring material. Now, I know how this sounds. Now, I, I lived right out here three years. Bought a piece of property. No water, no power, no phone. I lived under a tarp. I was very primitive, but I was outside all the time. Coming back from the river one day, I had something following me. Wasn't really frightened, little nervous, wasn't really frightened. Couldn't see anything. But I got all the way back to my camp, and it was subtle sounds, like a little twig breaking or branches rustling. I turned around, didn't see anything, but I felt it. Yeah, you can feel when you're being watched. You can feel it. Well, I get in. I, I bought an old, very old single wide, had a wood burning cook stove in it, which no, still no water power foam. But I just stepped in the door and I grabbed out of my ice chest a bottle of water and I was drinking on it. I turned around and there the thing is, right there, right behind me. When I turned around, I froze. I looked at him, he was in locked in, eye con- I'm getting excited, in eye contact with me. I seen him, acknowledge that I seen him, his facial expression changed, and as soon as that happened, he disappeared. That's what got me just totally, I had to find out, number one, if there was any potential, scientifically. For this to occur. Mm-hmm. Years of research. Years and years Describe of research. Describe
0: that moment where it disappeared. Are we? It
6: was like what they say. It was like he turned into a mirage and just, just vanished. Uh, kind of melted into y- the air. Yeah, like just went invisible. Mm-hmm. Went invisible. Now, I hear a lot of people, because the more I study on this, they say, well, when they're invisible... There's an outline. Well, that makes a lot of sense. There would be a wave disruption at the edge of the body, and that will give you the outline. Right. I mean, the more I started researching this and hearing other people's accounts, mm-hmm. it's like, man, there is something to this. This. How is... would they
0: activate that?
6: Like if you had a harmonics. Common... That, that okay. I now now I'm not positive. I can't prove it. Right. Because it's like a time release capsule. I think it's very very low sounds that would be a catalyst that would i i I really do but like i said i haven't quite if i figured it out i would be famous
0: like a manchurian candidate when he hears his tone he turns into you know the the robot that he's supposed to be they have a tone that maybe switches on the cloak i think so okay
6: I, i i that that's where i'm at at this point okay like it's, it's totally a hypothesis. That it es- kind of
0: reminds me of the theory that they use uh, the uh, scent gland out of skunks as a tool, a weapon to basically scare people away. They they rub the scent gland on them, on the juveniles in particular to keep people away from the youngins.
6: Could it? it I I could be honestly. I don't, I don't know either. But it's
0: fun to theorize. Oh, it is. It <laughs> endlessly is endlessly fun. And, and,
6: Absolutely intriguing. And then when you start getting valid... I'm not, I wrote my book in 2011. Mm-hmm. Just within the last two years, they have found that this stuff actually is in nature. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at, like, there's a man called David Hudson, mm-hmm. and he has this orb ormus, orally rearranged monatomic element. Okay. And it was taken into labs, and it vanishes. It was, vanished, they took. They had it in a, a, a little petri dish, mm-hmm. and when they heated it up, it vanished. They they'd take a uh, like a little spoon and stir it around where it was supposed to be. They they moved it around, took the heat away, and when it reappeared, it was undisturbed. I mean, it, 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 that's. It. But I don't really use a lot of David Hudson's. That's pseudoscience. Mm-hmm. And I, I haven't really referred to it. I am really trying to go with academic, very scientific research and mm-hmm. findings to validate just the potential for it. Well, I, what,
0: what have you done with the rubidium yourself to test it? Like, Have you set up a lab? And high voltage charge the rubidium to see what the response is no, or no, you know,
6: no. Would that be something you'd wanna do? Like it. <laughs> Really? Really? I know it's just terrible, but it's <laughs> what I've
0: done. You gotta begin somewhere.
6: <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Um, huh. Honestly, this this was done for personal gratification for me to personally find out if others have found this stuff. I would love to know about it. Mm -hmm. But I'm not trying to prove anything. I just needed to know because of what I seen. Because it 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 literally dropped me to the floor. I started crying and it wasn't out of fear. It wasn't a fear cry. It was just a totally astonished, Mm shocked, bewildered. I had no idea I wasn't on the internet i had no idea that other people had experienced similar things watched them vanish mm-hmm. now 1999 i've got on the internet by 2000 i had found other people that had accounts of invisibility mm-hmm. boy i'm talking talk about life changing and motivation boy that really got me going to research everything. Everything I could. I was getting papers as fast as they'd be uploading them. I was downloading them babies. I was on it. I have set, I've got literally hundreds of highlighted scientific journals and papers that I've set and read and highlighted and read and highlighted to try to put this all together. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm I'm working on it. It's a right. work in progress.
0: And the, you know, you and I were talking in regards to the white powder being in areas that uh, I've researched and lived at. Yeah. And it seems to be that this white powder is also left at places where there's poltergeist activity or where there's alien abduction or contactee experiences. So
6: I've heard that. I haven't experienced that, but I have heard that. So that
0: third element may be off-world. Are you prepared to never get the answer if that's the case?
6: Well, that's where I'm at right now. I can live with myself now. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like it very much. I really don't. Yeah. if I figured this out, if I, I don't know that I, truly I don't know that I would go public mm-hmm. with it. I'm not looking for fame, for money, mm-hmm. and maybe some things are better left alone. I don't know.
0: Have you ever been approached or felt in fear of investigating this phenomena, which would be maybe viewed as top secret?
6: Well... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's viewed as top secret. Um, I'll, 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 I'll go as far as to tell you MIBs are real. Okay. It, yeah, yeah. I've had my experience with them. Okay. And it scared the daylights out of me. But, and, and to the point where around 2008, I pulled everything, all my research, everything. I shut right. it down, pulled it off, withdrew. I happened to have a friend out of Virginia. Uh, CIA headquarters who I had been working with who told me that uh, it was taken care of and definitely put my research back out there. So at the back of my book I have my hypothesis. It's called photosynthetic piezoelectric induced transparency. I have gone to the National Library of Congress. I have copyrighted and self-patented all my, all my research and it is now in the back of my book, Manotang.
0: <laughs> Pearl, awesome. You know, what was the date where this friend of your, this contact with, you said with the CIA? Yes. The CIA, they basically give you the green light again in 2008?
6: This was a personal, it wasn't the CIA, mm-hmm. it, this was a personal friend who had retired from there who had contacts there
0: but she knew something and it was okay for you he yes and so when did they give you the green light again
6: well it was Was 2008 approximately May Mm -hmm. when I pulled it off so by 2009 I was back
0: up so a year later yeah. Okay, it would be interesting to see if there's any kind of disclosure in general that came around 2009 wow. on other things. I'll
6: tell you what else is, um what are, what are they called now? Gosh, I had a website that they had my hypothesis when I first wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, they had it up, the Royal Forum. The Royal Forum had my hypothesis up. And this gentleman, and I, I won't give you his name, mm-hmm. we back and forth, back and forth for months. Oh, he was so interested. Hook, line, shaker. Pearl, you're on to something. You're on to something. Out of the blue, he contacts me. says, Pearl, I have to pull your research down. It's a matter of national security. I said, excuse me? I'm a Bigfoot researcher. You're kidding me. That's ridiculous. He, They pulled it down.
0: Wow. Wow. So you've you've had confirmation. I
6: have. I I printed from the national, from from this website, this particular website, I printed it all out when it was still up. I have it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You could be sitting on,
0: you know, the golden egg.
6: If I am, I am. I mean, like I said, this is, For personal Mm -hmm. gratification, it's for me. I'm doing it because I need to know. I have been accused of, oh, Pearl, you're on drugs. Oh, Pearl, you're hallucinating. I mean, you're crazy. Everything in the book. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you what, I trust myself. I know what I've seen. That's why I want validation for myself, even to show the potential for it to occur.
0: And none of it has to do with kind of getting back at the people that shamed you and just... No. Okay.
6: No. They just... I know how crazy it sounds. I mean, if I didn't see what I had experienced, if I didn't, and somebody was to tell me what Mm -hmm. I'm telling people, I would think they're they're a little loony. (laughs) I really would. I know how it sounds. I'm intelligent enough to understand when you tell somebody, oh, I've seen that thing disappear right in front of me. That sounds a little far-fetched. Mm-hmm. Can't help it. Can't help it. It is what it is. I've seen what I've seen, and n- nothing but direct communication from God will ever change my <laughs> mind. I'm am t- I'm, I'm that adamant. Yeah. I really oh. am.
0: Yeah. Well, you got me sold. We're here with Pearl Parada. Her book, Manitang: Bigfoot Myth or Reality. Can people find this online still? Yes, it
6: is. It's on Amazon.
0: Okay, and you would appreciate if people would take a look. I would appreciate it. Uh, We've got a lot of work to do in the future as someone who uh, wants to talk to you about their own phosphorus uh, powders showing up.
6: Wouldn't that be interesting? I mean, you've found white powder. I've found white powder. I wonder how many others out there Mm. have... Like, there's a picture of the rock I found. Mm. I wonder... People could walk right by that. Mm -hmm. and unless they were informed they Mm. wouldn't even know they wouldn't even know
0: no you know no in fact the audience if you've found anything that kind of matches the description of a white powder either in and around a paranormal hot spot or out in nature in general that looks like it's been milled or made or crushed
6: yes grinding
0: grinding yes um Reach out to me. Reach out to Pearl Parada. Can they get a hold of you on a website or anything like I'm that? I'm
6: on Facebook. Okay. Yes, I am. And that's and
0: spelled P-I-R-P-R-I-H-O-D-A. Pearl J. Parada. P-R-I-H-O-D-A.
6: Yes. And the... don't don't eat it.
4: Don't.
6: No. <laughs> I mean, there Not is... even if
0: you're really hungry.
6: No, because arsenic is also found in nature yeah, i think you said
0: radioactive yeah
6: yeah yeah and i know that's what i did yeah but it's really not a very smart thing to do no but I, she
0: has a glow about her yeah. Yeah, it's just it's so effervescent all right thank you pearl
6: you're very welcome
0: so we're here with tom cantrell I guess we'd call him the founder of the Primal People Convention. This is your third one, Tom.
4: Yes.
12: Great success. Beautiful weekend. What would you think of it all? I'm absolutely astounded with the quality of people that turned out. Uh, I had some help in deciding who was going to be speakers. They yeah. they weeded themselves out. Right. We have 15 presenters this weekend and eight who didn't come uh, wow. for one reason or another. Some, right. some were logistics uh, Devin Masson is still in Togo, uh, his plane doesn't get out for another week, so, so we had kind of had to scratch him, but, uh, but the people, you know, it's about the people who do come, and that's what you have to work with, you know, at this point of the game, whatever is, is, and you work with that.
0: Right, and you know, nobody in the audience really knew any different. I mean, it was so seamless the way things turned out. Did anything surprise you? Did you catch on to uh, some new information? I mean, you're so well informed. You've been involved with the community for so long,
12: but was there anything that leapt out at you as far as info? Yes, Rob Alley just blew me away uh, with the depth of, of research that he's done. Right. Uh, I was totally amazed. I'd like to be able to sit down and to spend the afternoon talking with him and right. uh, and, uh, and learning what he knows, uh, the other one is Marcia Marcia K Moore, oh, yeah. and her work is just amazing. and right. And her research and our research paralyze one another so much, so closely, it's going to cross. It has to cross.
0: Uh, and Marcia's is the one with the elongated, skull, the elongated the skull. Skull. She's the artist that's doing the uh, sculpy renditions over the actual uh plasticine
12: skull and the skeletons from the uh, uh burial mounds back east from the adena people and such like that eight foot skeletons mm-hmm. how long how often have we heard well why don't we have a skeleton from uh, from of these beings well you've got eight foot indians you know uh the skeleton looks pretty much the same Mhm. And she's reconstructed that. Just to see that reconstruction is, is... These are redheaded giants, too. I mean, this is what we've been hearing about all these years. That's one one area, right. yeah. That was in, in Nevada. Uh, the Adena people were back east of the Mississippi. Okay. Uh, the Mound Builder people. And, you know, look at the history of that. Those skeletons were exhumed by Smithsonian. Okay, there's records that exist of the, of, the, of the digs and of what they found and, and everything. Now all of a sudden the, the skeletons have all disappeared out of the Smithsonian and nobody knows where they went. The skeletons from the, from the Lovelock Caves in Nevada went to the University of California Berkeley Library and disappeared. Why? You know, are, are, they, are the scientists that afraid of knowledge? Is it going to upset their apple cart? Or is it religious? Or, you know, why? Why won't we... Right,
0: what, what is your conclusion here? I mean, you must have some theories as to the why.
12: Uh, I think it varies. It varies in different pe- with different people. Some people, it is a religious thing. It's going to upset... It doesn't say it in the Bible, so it can't be, you know? Well, there's a lot of things that happen in the world that weren't mentioned in the Bible. The Bible was written by men, you know, and... Uh, it's uh, it's it's not totally infallible. What's there is good, but it's not totally infallible, and it doesn't cover everything. You know, we're left. We, we have a mind. We're supposed to use our mind, and uh, that's that's the gist. That's one. The uh, some people are just afraid that they do exist. You know, they're afraid to go in the woods because something might be there. Well, get out in the woods and see what's there. Uh, I tell people the only thing dangerous in the woods wears shoes. Okay? Uh, The animals are not dangerous if you use your head and treat them with respect. I have walked within 35 feet of bears right down the road, right to them. And when they finally spotted me, they ran away. They're not dangerous if you use your brain, and and treat them with respect. Now, you get between a mother and her child. I don't care what species you're in, you're you're going to be. You can create tr- tr- trouble. Right. And uh, so think about what you're doing. Learn about what you're doing. To go out and park your car, drive out of the city, and go out and park your car at the edge of the wood and walk into the woods. You you can find yourself in real trouble. You know. I've got a little. Kit here that we'll be talking about today. That I was reaching
0: for his fanny pack. It says, "What's in your kit?"
12: In, uh, in my, you have to be in class. To see, okay. <laughs> but basically, it's stuff I need if I broke my leg out there. I could I could live for two or three days till they found me. Uh, space blanket. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's map. There's compass. There's uh, a signal uh, mirror. There's uh, a first aid kit. Uh, ma- uh waterproof match case. Tom's
0: waterproof. a 10-year lumberjack too I mean yes. you've been out in the woods how, how many years Tom
12: uh, <laughs> more years there there are people that say that I was there when the woods grew but <laughs> that's not quite true but uh, but uh no I I've I started when I was six, seven years old, and I'm 76 now, so. Is it,
0: most lumberjacks that see these, at least from the community we're in, obviously they don't talk about their
12: sighting too much because of the good old boy factor. Mm. Is that your experience too? Yes, uh, as a matter of fact I never told anybody for 35 years what I was doing, what I was seeing because all wow. they wanted to do was make a joke out of it Right. and even then I knew that they deserved more respect than that uh, when you and when I was logging Cutting timber, running equipment—you don't see anything. You're making too much noise. You know, you're creating a mm-hmm. lot of lot of noise. When I saw them was when I was doing my forestry work, when I was hiking in to to do a, a survey of some type or another, mm-hmm. because I would sit still and uh, draw up what I was what I had just measured, and that's when they get they get curious and come in, mm-hmm. and uh, that's when I started seeing them.
0: And now, then, when did your worldview shift from Flesh and blood to this otherness quality.
12: Uh, probably about 2010. Uh, that recent? Yeah, yeah. I didn't uh, know that. For all of those years from 1958 to 2010, I had a world of amassed facts without any correlation. And then I, it started all coming together. Oh wow, you know, and looked at it from a different angle. I, I met some people that got me pointed in that direction Uh and uh, there again I went from the pure scientific mind you know my degrees and is uh, in logging engineering and forestry and uh, it's that's a scientific degree so that was where my mind was it's only when I shifted my mind to the point that there may be something else out there there may be another way to look at things that things started coming together and opened up and it just creates a whole new world possibilities
0: do you think there's going to be a paradigm shift as far as like you had in 2010
12: generally with the community such as the bfro types Do you see that day coming soon maybe with the bfro types because they are investigators uh-huh. okay and yeah you might have to like the fellow trying to train the mule and he walked up and hit him with a tube before you know the first thing you got to do is get his attention uh-huh. okay it's kind of the way bfro is you got to get their attention uh-huh. But at least they're smart enough to know that what they're looking at is there. Okay, so you have something to start with. The ones, you're the ninety percent of society that you know, uh, just say it can't possibly be. You know, if everybody carries a, a cell phone that takes pictures, we, we would have pictures. Well, they mm-hmm. don't realize you get in those woods and that's, you just well leave that cell phone at home because you're not going to get a picture of anything except the first tree. Right. And okay. Uh, There's just so much that they don't understand about what goes on out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And those are the people that will never, never shift. How about uh, individual
0: messages from Sasquatches? Because you're in touch with these psychically here. Have you heard anything over the weekend as far as their... Approval, uh, their happiness with what oh, we're doing, yes.
12: and uh, even uh, up to uh, change this person to speak now, and you know, okay, uh, yeah.
0: venue changes or not venue changes, but speaker changes.
12: Yeah, okay. uh, just yeah, and then that up occurred up to the night before we started. Okay, okay, and do this, go with this person, go with it, and stress that uh, the what Bob and I did last night on stage was not planned. Oh,
0: really? Yeah. That was incredibly tight and organized, like you had done it before. It reminded me of, like, Dean Martin and, uh, you know, Frank Sinatra on yeah. stage. No, we just,
12: <laughs> or Lucy and A Ethel. Squatch pack. <laughs> or Lucy and Ethel, I'm not sure. <laughs> but, no, I was walking up the stage, and the, the message mm-hmm. came in, just do Q- Q&A. Yeah. Yeah, we, we did want to clear up that massacre theory right. bar but uh but that was the only thing that that we pre-planned uh everything else was just off the cuff just told told me told me to do it yeah. on, on the way up and bob looked so pleased
0: to show up there you know he was with his wife he was uh free to mingle as much uh, as he wanted to it was really nice to see him just kind of unguarded and off the leash
12: yes it was <laughs> uh, uh judy doesn't come out much uh yeah. but it was so nice to have her there she's such yeah. a sweetheart uh I've known her for a number of years, yeah. but, uh, but that's I've been to their house many times. Yeah. But uh, but uh, she's just an absolute sweetheart. And she, I think she had a bowl. Every time I looked up, she was grinning ear to ear.
0: Well, this is Tom Cantrell. I'm trying to push him to plan 2020. If you get in touch with us here, I guess you can get in touch with Strange Brow Radio, or you can go to Tom Cantrell on Facebook or the Primal People Convention and uh, let him know that we want... 2020 today we're gearing up actually to do some didactic uh you know in-house training at a really cool spot here surrounded by bigfoot country in the middle of green water uh just beautiful we may have saw some wolves we definitely saw two large canines cross the road it looked like a breeding pair and so come up here spend some time in the country even if you're not up here bigfoot and just get out get outdoors and enjoy it all This has been Strange Brow Radio, signing off. Thank you to each one of those folks that came down to the bowels of the convention center to tell me the deeper side of their personal stories. It's always nice to pull folks aside and go a little deeper, dive a little deeper with each one of them. If you would like to be a guest on Strange Brow Radio or have topic ideas, want to give some feedback, Or just learn more about the show. And how to help out. You can go on iTunes and subscribe. That would be the first move. Or go on to Podbean and subscribe. Share the show. Like, share it. All those things go a long way in producing the show. And putting it in a different spot. On the interweb. You can also shoot me an email. At strangebrowradio at gmail.com Facebook, Instagram. All under strangebrowradio. Also... I want to thank our sponsor again, Feral by Aaron at Etsy.com. A lot of merchandise sold at the convention here, but new merchandise coming up as always. That's Feral by Aaron, E-R-Y-N. It is a beautiful April evening. I am headed out, grab a bite to eat, and do a little stargazing. I suggest you do the same. And, of course, I will see you in the trees.